Blog Talk Radio. Haki. Today I'm sitting in for Brother Africa. Uh, Brother Africa, of course, is in Venezuela. There's a huge conference going on. Uh, people all over Central and South America meeting together to discuss the various issues uh, that are going on in society. So Brother Africa is part of that um, discussion. And, uh, and when he returns, he will definitely be giving, you, giving us uh, some, uh, uh, some um, description in terms of what transpired during the time he was there at this, this big conference. 
It's a very big conference. It's a very important conference, and it has implications for the empowerment of not only of African people, but the oppressed humanity throughout the world. So we, 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 we wish Brother Africa luck in terms of, you know, his, his participation, and we look forward to hearing his report upon his return. Now, to my panelists, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Brother Maurice. Brother Maurice, could you explain to the people a little bit about yourself and uh, any opening statements that you may have? Yes, yes. Uh, greetings, uh, Brother Haki. Thank you so much for having me here today. And uh, first off, I want to wish uh, Brother Africa a safe trip, and I'm looking forward to hear his uh, reports and and what was discussed at the con- at the uh, conference. Um, my name, yes, is Brother Maurice. I consider myself a pan a, pan, a dedicated Pan Africanist, um, a worker of, of the people, uh, for the people of African and poor people, disadvantaged people all, all over the world. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a supporter of, of many Pan-African, well, I shouldn't say many, but a couple of Pan-African organizations, whether it's the, you know, AAPRPGC or, or PRSP or, a, you know, or the, um, the Richmond uh, Black Association of Social Workers and also slang, struggling, living, and never giving up. And I just want to conclude by saying, uh, again, Brother Haki, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's an honor to be here again on the, on the show. Oh, Brother, Mo, uh, Brother Maurice, thanks, uh, thanks for participating. Uh, next, we go to our panelists, uh, Brother Moses. Brother Moses, your opening statement and a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Haki. <laughs> and uh, greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts, Brother Africa. Uh, I'm Brother Haki. Um, I am pro-choice, and I vote. And I, I want to say I support the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. Uh, women hold up half the sky. That Brother Africa is having a safe trip, and that much productive activity would take place in the, in the revolutionary movement in Venezuela, which is part of the international movement for justice around the world. And uh, I hope it has a safe trip and look forward to his return. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, thank you very much, uh, Brother Moses. Now, let's get right down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, you know, recently I read a very interesting article. This one was about, stated, talk about the fact that 21 Republicans voted against rewarding medals to the Capitol Hill police on January 6th. What I find somewhat perplexing is the fact that when we talk about Republicans, normally they are the law and order party. So the fact that 21 Republicans refused to endorse giving medals to Capitol Hill police its now, my question to the panelists, and I'll start with you, Brother Maurice, why would these law and order people snub the police? What is your view? Uh, my view is, uh, I guess, you know, the, the hoopla of uh, Trump, not only Trump, but their, but their um, uh, excuse my, um, uh, my, my shortcoming of what I'm trying to articulate, but basically 
this uh this 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 uh, the term skips my mind, but basically racism, this white supremacy, for lack of better um, explanation, this white supremacy. Uh, these twenty Republicans and you know they they stand they 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 specifically stand on the side of racist 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 uh, supremacy and and and, uh, and capitalist capital. I mean, it's a whole capitalist system. But uh, when we when we look at white supremacy and and look at um, <laughs> And the term uh, skips me right now when we look at this. Um, and oh man, I can't even get the term. But this, this basically what I'm trying to articulate is the, the these white these white men white men being at the head of government, white racist um, uh, men being at the head of, of the government and want to put the uh, want to take everything want want to reverse uh, time want to go back want to take Africans and poor people to 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 a lesser stage of where we was at. Uh, here in America or or, or wherever in the world, they want to you know they want to repress us back to where we was at. Uh, this you know this 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 form of system. So these this is what these twenty uh, Republican uh, Republicans represent. And I and I apologize again, brother Haki, that I cannot uh, <laughs> develop the term, but it'll come back to me. Oh, okay, okay, all right, uh, brother Moses, why would these law and order these 21 Republican politicians, why would they deny medals to the Capitol Hill police on January 6th, given the fact that they were there to save them from potential harm? Why would they turn against the police? Well, Brother Haki, I don't think it's any mystery. We're in a fascialization situation here in the U.S. of A., uh, and Donald Trump and his his lackeys uh, um, are... are still entrenched in the government and will be entrenched in the government until there's a new government, evidently. Uh, and so, you know, we have to face the fact that we just got some rednecks in office and, uh, and they opposed to um, Juneteenth as a commemoration. They're opposed to uh, anything that empowers black people and recognizes the, the struggle of black people and, and uh, whether it be, um, critical race theory or whatever, uh, um, these entrenched uh, supremacist, white supremacists uh, are opposed to the voting, voting, they're doing everything they can to disenfranchise black people and people of color, and that's just the way it is. We have to face it for what it is. We have to organize and uh, organize uh, a new government, basically. In, in order to replace the one that's there, and that's that's easier said than done, but that's what needs to be done. It is obvious. Thank you. And, you know, and, but, it, brother Hakeem, it, it, it is. Go ahead, go ahead, brother. Yes, I, I'm sorry, and I just want to say that the term that I was uh, t- I tried to articulate earlier was fascism. Uh, these fascist uh, uh, fascist movements, uh, you know, the uh, represents of the best Boston Tea Party or whatever. Uh, that's why I was just trying to make a point that the 20 these 20 rep, rep, uh, Republicans uh, basically uh, had aligned themselves uh, with, with uh, fascists, with, with that doctrine of fascism, when they, um, you know, refused to celebrate these 21 officers. But that, that, that was my point. I'm sorry. Okay, that's, that's, that's interesting you said that, uh, Brother Maurice, because one of the things when we talk about fascism, we talk about the ultra-nationalism that exists with respect to uh, fascism. Also, this notion that, you know, you can compel people by any means necessary, any type of opposition. So people who speak out against 
uh, the system are perceived as the enemy. In addition to, you talk about limiting the rights uh, of people, uh, particularly when you talk about their social and human rights, limit those rights to the extent that you want to shape society in the way in which they want to shape. So by denying these police officers uh, uh, support, you know, uh, for, in terms of receiving these medals, then it seems that I think you're absolutely right, Brother Maurice. I think the implication is that uh, we can conclude that possibly that uh, these cops are favor uh, fascism. Because essentially, if, 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 you, if you remove the cops out of the equation, if you, if you uh, devalue the, the role cops play in terms of maintaining order, then you simply can create chaos to allow the, or to empower those people, those people in society who are helping on all kinds of destruction and chaos. So clearly, this this, this notion in terms of uh, uh, in terms of you know uh, not rewarding or you know, recognizing these police officers speaks to the potential uh, or the potency, propensity for perhaps a, a fascist mindset that exists in these 21 Republican politicians. Now, is that too far off, uh, Brother Moses? No, I agree with you 100%. Um, we we definitely have got fascism in the in the place, and uh, and um, you know the the you know we can't have a process of appeasement. That's what the the United the United Front Against Fascism and the World War II proved that uh, one of the lessons of this period is you don't go you don't appease fascism. You have to stand up to them and confront them and and fight and try to suppress them. Uh, you can't appease them because it only it only uh, leads to demise. Thank you. And, well, let me and, and, let me just and, go ahead, brother. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, brother. And one more point: like these 20 Republicans easily, easily, right, refuse to to support the officers who you know who try to combat the fascist uh, takeover of the uh, of the United States Capitol. Why don't why why don't these uh, not only these 20 Republicans but these uh, any Democrats or any uh, uh, state officials in the, in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the state capitol, why they don't uh, step down or refuse to to uh, um, or refuse to to acknowledge officers or uh, or, or acknowledge officers killing killing uh, masses the masses of Africans they're killing us on a daily basis why any why why any of the Democrats and Republicans is not that much outspoken uh, like these turning Republicans when it comes to you know, uh, you know, uh, supporting officers who, like I said, who fought against fascism, <laughs> if you will, uh, back in January. Why don't these? Why why don't these uh, other Democrats? Uh, and I don't expect them to, but I'm just saying, like, what well, you know, it's, we can see that they show their truth about refusing them. But you know, they, by being outspoken, they showing their truth. But also by being quiet uh, and that's being outspoken on a on a on a day to day homicides from police on or, or the day-to-day terror from police on, on Africans, uh, why they not, or why they not, uh, you know, why, 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 why they not being as, as passionate? That's, that, 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 that would can't come to mind, brother, when we have this conversation. I think you, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, one of the things people often don't consider is that, you know, anytime you're quiet, and up, you could conclude that uh, there's a certain amount of um, um, not only complacency or, or being comfortable with the way things are, but a certain kind of uh, not only acceptance, but a certain kind of um, uh, acquiescence. In other words, when you don't say anything, it gives carte blanche approval to the kind of things that you disapprove of. 
So when you talk about a situation where, where, where you know, where cops are, where in this situation, uh, cops are putting their lives on the line, um, and that's, of course, figuratively. I don't think it's, I don't think literally that was the situation, but I think figuratively the potential, it does exist. Anytime you have a large number of people who are very angry, so the potential does exist. So I don't want to dismiss that. But the bottom line is that the potential to get hurt or, or even killed in these kind of situations, it seems to me that at the very minimum, Republicans, these 21 Republicans have an obligation to recognize the very real potential for danger that existed at that point in time. But the mere fact that they chose, you know, uh, you know not to honor the cops speaks giants in terms of, you know, their, uh, their, their contempt for, for law and order, their contempt for the way things are. And, in fact, I think one of the problems is that I think what they really want to do is they really want to seek a, seek a, a, a society in which, quote, unquote, those who are wronged uh, are in a position to actually fight back. And when I talk about fight back, I'm talking about essentially talking about mass murder, you know, and so forth and so on in terms of maintaining, maintaining control. So clearly this is problematic for me. But, you know, aside from that, you know, one of the things that's very interesting when we talk about these 21 Republicans uh, who, who refused to give these medals to the Capitol Hill police, they said they opposed giving the medals to the Capitol Hill police because they said the term insurrectionist was used for the rioters. Now, I'm going to ask you, and I'll start with you, Brother Maurice. Now, if they're not insurrectionists, then what are they? It seems to me that any time you actually invade and you actually uh, transverse the, the barriers you know, of the Capitol Hill and actually enter the business physically, it seems to me that is that is at the very heart insurrectionist. But what is your point? What is your view in terms of in terms of it being an insurrection or not? And, and see, and and and, and I'm I'm I, I kind of uh, have trouble because um, as for I know this term insurrection is is used uh, for our freedom fighters, for our ancestors like Nat Turner um, or, or Gabriel. They they was called insurrectionists, you know, but. Uh, you know, let's call it for what it was. Let's 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 we, let's be very specific, um, so we won't have no confusion among uh, descriptions of terms. They were terrorists. You know, these were fascist terrorists that uh, invaded and took and took over the capital. And for these Republicans to say we don't want to use this term or we don't want to call them that, they have this. You know, they they already showing you know who they are. And these are the people that are running our 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 quote unquote countries, our, our way of living. These are people we have in power. These are the capitalists that we have in power uh, right now, as we speak, uh, who who run day-to-day operations for, for everyday people, how to live and how to survive. Right now, they're cutting off. Right now, they, they're ending, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, they're ending funding and support for, uh, for, for the COVID-19 evictions. People are still being evicted. Children are still being evicted, and they can give a damn less. They want to sit up here and want and want to uh, have a have a uh, an argument or have some type of compassion to say, oh, we don't want to call them an insurrectionist. What the hell else you want to call them? Call them terrorists. Call these people uh, uh, what they are: terrorists, terrorists. They, I mean, you know, this is a product. This is what you get under the system of capitalism. You get racism. These little seeds that we talk about. Uh, on a week on a weekly basis on on the show, this is what it produces. You know, brother Hackey. Um, this is this is what we this is what we are dealing with right now. Uh, and, and for them, it's a smacking it's a smacking in my face as a as a as a um, as a half knot as an African to hear these people 
uh, be frustrated over a damn what they call them, an insurrectionist and that. We got real issues, man. We got real troubles and real struggles. And these people should be condemned at the at the utmost uh, extreme. These people to go imagine. Can you imagine if it was Africans, if it was us, if it was if it was poor people of of of, of, the, of the world who invaded the capital back in January? Can you imagine uh, what could have been happened? Man, let me tell you something. They would have been penalizing Africans and poor people who wasn't even. They would, they would be penalizing African people who wasn't even a part of it. They'll be taken out of their frustration and their emotions on on anybody who is African and anybody who represents the half not or the proletariat um, class. They would be reaping hell. They already hell. They already doing it already. But it would have been at an even more extreme pace if it was people that look like you or me, uh, brother Haki, who invaded invaded that uh, that 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 the, the, um, the capital. They would raise hell on us the same way that Nat Turner they raised hell on African people when Nat Turner had his uprisings. What they did. They killed they killed every goddamn they were killing Africans left and right. So, um and you know, so this this is this is this is what we're dealing with. That's a very interesting point, Brother Maurice, and I'm gonna come back to that. Uh, let me ask Brother Moses. Now Brother Moses, you know, um you know, given the the different I mean the choices, uh, in terms of labeling these these these, these individuals on January sixth as insurrectionists or rioters. Uh, these Republicans come from a position that these guys are rioters. So what would be the difference between rioters and insurrectionists in your view, Brother Moses? Well, first of all, they're trying to stop the steal, quote, unquote, and which meant they were trying to instigate a coup, which is an insurrection as far as I'm concerned. And so, you know, they weren't just rioting. Which they were rioting, but, but the, the purpose of it was to... to, to get the government into the hands of, of, of these fascist thugs that they admire, Trump and, and, and Giuliani and et cetera. And um, so, you know, there was no question now. They, were, they, they didn't like the government, and they wanted to uh, replace it, uh, stop the steal, quote, unquote. And so, you know, apologizing for white supremacy and trying to uh, cover it up and appease white supremacy is, is part of it's part of this government, this government's uh, modus operandi. Uh, the quote riot in uh, Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Tulsa. I mean, here we have people getting slaughtered, and they call it a riot. I mean, so you know, we we're used to them. We can't use them. We have to have exercise self determination, including independence of thought, and we can't use their definition. We have to refine our own and stand by our own. Thank you. No, that's a very good point, Brother Moses. Oh, Brother Maurice, back to your point. Uh, you know, I'm, I often wonder, you know, when you think about uh, if there had been, say, African people or, or, or Latin people or Asians, uh, or, you know, I, I just wonder what, was, what the response would be from the authorities. Uh, one of the things we're very clear on is that, uh, you know, the, there was a, a sabotage uh, of, the, you know, in terms of making sure law enforcement were prepared uh, to counter the, the, these, these, these uh, insurrectionists. Uh, and that's well documented. There have been numerous reports in which stated in terms of, you know, how the, this whole process was sabotaged to ensure the success of these insurrectionists to make sure they were able to transverse the walls of the Capitol building. So clearly, you know, I wonder if they were African people, because if you think back, 
uh, say six months prior to when they was when when Africans there uh, supporting uh, George Floyd, uh, when when, he, when when they were there, not only was the uh, the security forces well trained, I mean well armed and in positions you know to take care of anything that comes about. Uh, they also flew the helicopter extremely low, you know, threatening the lives of the protesters during that Black Lives Matter uh, in Washington, you know, six months, six months earlier. So I wonder, you know, if, if in fact uh, African people, for example, had transversed the walls of Capitol Hill, would the response have been the same? Uh, you know, because keep in mind that when we talk about in terms of the, the propensity to spying on the populace, uh, the FBI, CIA, and various intelligence agencies do a very good job in terms of spying on the populace. So therefore, they knew exactly what transpired. So I would imagine if, in fact, they were listening on their on their on their, on their cell phones or listening to the or reading your computers or whatever, uh, it came it came up that in fact they had a large contingent of African people headed toward the Capitol with the intent of doing harm. I imagine what the response would be, uh, you know, to to those riders. I think it wouldn't be the same. Your view, uh, brother Maurice. Oh, I totally agree. It definitely won't, you know, it wouldn't be be the same. And, you know, and like, and and I thank you, uh, Brother Hackey, for just showing, just, just uh, looking back on how the George Floyd protest, and and, and, and and no disrespect to George Floyd or his family, but that, that I, I, I just want to point out something, and, and, and you know, I, I just don't want to, um, he, he, he definitely had, it, it, he definitely intensified the struggle, but I just want to notate that it was struggles going on for, Many of Africans who was murdered, and many Af- issues of of us being oppressed. Um, uh, it was already, you know, a, a, a qualitative, a quantitative, a, a qualitative, a quantitative uh, movement building up to this point. And I think that that uh, that 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 videotape or the the recording of George Floyd having his knee on his neck that was that was it. That was just the final point. Uh, on top of COVID nineteen, killing the uh, masses of Africans and all of this, all of this stuff, right? But I just wanted to note that the, that, that that these, you know, these protests to that point outside of the Capitol, you know, imagine, like you say, look at look at the look at the um, the response that was given to the protesters and to the to the to the to the to the, to the activists, or if you want to call them, or the or the or, 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 or the or the people who was out there fighting on behalf of Africans being murdered, right? Look at look at that response. Now, can you like can you imagine? Just imagine a response if we if we were to literally take it to that. We wouldn't even make it to that far. I'm just want to put that out there. Like like you said about the helicopter, about the drones, and even about the sister who got killed outside the capital. Capital. We wouldn't even made it that far. But just imagine if we did made it to the halls of Congress, uh, going up in there, take you know just throwing throwing uh, shit around and and running people in their office, locking the doors. Can you imagine? Let's go back to the 19. What? Uh, uh, Want to be correct? Late 1960s, early 1970s. If I'm, if I'm basically around that time frame when the Black Panther Party, they just they were trying to just go on, just go make a point about uh, gun rights or whatever on behalf, you know, behalf of Africans, just, uh, speaking about gun rights and speaking about uh, our struggle, and they took a wrong turn into the rotunda to the, that Congress floor and. and uh, in California, and they had this, you know, they <laughs> they had this, and after that, that's when you seen the increase of war, basically a war, the, the increase of assassinations and attacks on the Black Panther Party when they just took a wrong turn into that rotunda 
and that's that they was they wasn't even up there. This wasn't even the United States Capitol. This was just a this was like a, a just a local government building, right? Like a general assembly building or whatever. And they just made a or a courthouse, and they just they, on a on a just on the level of the courthouse in California. They just made a just made it. They won't gonna come up there, uh, damaging property, uh, running people away, shooting, uh, whatever. They was just coming up there with guns, marching, and just made a wrong turn. And this was the this was the uh, that was the response, the Cointel Pro response to them. And we, we already for those that know, we already seen what happened. Uh, to that, but can you? That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine if it was us, man? Yes. This, this to go on this um, tangent. I totally agree with your point, brother Haki. Yeah, I think I think it was African people. I think the Pentagon wouldn't have been um, um, indifferent. I think the moment they got the call uh, that uh, African people on the way to Washington D.C., I think they would have mobilized immediately. So I don't think they would have simply sabotaged the attempt to come out. Clearly, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, brother Maurice. Now, let's go to the, to the next topic, and I, I find this one also extremely fascinating. I recently read an article from The Intercept uh, entitled Congress Plans Concrete Resiliency for, for, excuse me, Congress Plans Climate Resiliency for Military. I find that very, very interesting. Now, in the last couple of years, they had over 300 climate-related hearings to discuss climate change. On each, on, it seems the majority of the time during these discussions, they talked about ways to protect military and national security institutions from climate change. I find this very, very interesting because when we talk about climate change, we talk about the impact it has on schools, prisons, or even infrastructure. There has been relatively little discussion with, with respect to that, but it's been more discussion around protecting military and national security institutions from climate change. What should I make? What, what do you make of this, Brother Moses? Um, you see, climate change. Yeah, they're, t- they're talking about climate change. So, so they had between the last couple of years, they had over three hundred related meetings discussing climate change. You know, uh, flooding, um, extreme hot heat, uh, um, uh, flash, flash, you know, fires, uh, all those kind of things. You know, famine, all those kind of things that when as a temp, as a, the planet heats up, all those kind of things are right. worse and worse and worse. So as opposed to talking about protecting, you know, schools, for instance, or protecting prisons or the infrastructure, they're talking about protecting military or national security institutions from climate change. So no matter what, what the, the weather, no matter what the weather does, these people will be protected. But the, but what about the masses of people? Why are the masses of people are not a consideration? What do you think about that, brother Moses? Yeah, well, you know, this is. This is, you know, the nature of the beast. I mean, the beast is not concerned with people. The beast is concerned with making money and Wall Street. And uh, and uh, so, you know, we, any humanitarian or, or politicized consciousness uh, change and, and adverse effects on on, on the world uh, by human human uh, behavior which needs to be changed, they don't recognize the need for change. They, they are too busy trying to maintain the status quo and, and expand the status quo. Uh, they, they're not interested in people. They're interested in profits. And that's, that's just the nature of the government, and we have to recognize that. And I don't want to regress, but uh, one more thing about that, um, that riot. Um, back in 1972, there was a demonstration um, – 
called by the mobilization as it was like either we'll stop the government either the government will stop the war or we'll stop the government and um and um nixon was in office and was trying to stop the vietnam war and nixon had twelve thousand people swept off the streets protesters who who were protesters or not protesters if you were on the streets you got arrested eventually it was thrown out of court but but that's just the nature of the beast the beast does not want any opposition and um, any consciousness and uh, any any protest, you know, like the Black Lives Matter and, and the way they handled that. If, if, the, if, the, if we had been uh, at the Capitol, there would have been no hesitation of bringing out the National Guard. There would have been bullets flying. You can believe that. And uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Thank you. Okay, then before I come back to Brother Maurice, let me have uh, 7236. 7236, please identify yourself. Um, good evening, Brother King. This is Eleanor Johnson. My apologies for being late. Happy uh, Juneteenth Day. It's a fantastic okay. day, and I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. Now, now I'm going to get you on the line. Let me ask you this, this question I've been asking the other panelists. Uh, now, I, t- I talked about, um, you know, over the last couple of years, over 300 climate-related hearings took place. Most of these hearings protect the military and the national security institutions from climate change. So I raised the question, why is, why is the Congress preoccupied with protecting military and national security institutions from climate change, but not the people? In particular, I'm talking about institutions like schools, prisons, and infrastructure. Why are those things not important? So what does that say about the value of human life? Uh, I'm sorry, um, Brother Akeem, I couldn't really hear you, but if we're talking about climate change, I, I heard Brother Moses talking about the 1972 sweep. I was one of those swept up going to my mother's office. But I've been an environmentalist all of my life. And the one thing I have noticed about uh, environmental conditions, uh, uh, solid uh, land, landfill waste sites, uh, dropping of, of hazardous waste seems to always be in Afro-American neighborhoods or on Native American land. I think this speaks to the inequality and the systemic racism. It, it Systemic racism is a horrible thing because it in, impacts every aspect of life, including how we deal with the environment and global warming. And uh, subsequently, the conditions that you see people living in is a reflection of uh, said racism. And uh, I think I just tuned in. So if you mentioned the insurgents, I will not mix words and call it a demonstration or a riot. It was an insurgent. It was on January 6, 20. 21, it was an insurgent. It was attacked on the uh, U.S. government, and it is an outrage. And at no time should we begin to transgress as we had in the past when whites would attack minority communities and call it race riots or riots. This was not a riot. It was a physical attack 
on the U.S. Capitol was an insurgent. These people said at Nancy Pelosi's death, smoking marijuana, putting unknown chemicals throughout the uh, area. And there seems to be a big concern. I have a concern over uh, environmental justice, this pandemic, the origin of the pandemic, the increased urban density, the, the, the destruction of the infrastructure all around the nation's capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., for example, the density is increased exponentially. However, none of the developers pay for the maintenance of the infrastructure. Rather than people building green, they're still, still building with all electric. They don't even put in natural gas or think of any way of reducing the carbon footprint. So I see uh, environmental justice closely uh, being related to the Black Lives Movement and all other struggles for democracy. Okay. Uh, Just Eleanor, Eleanor raised a very interesting point in terms of environmental racism uh, and the fact that it is in fact of life uh, for African communities. In fact, you and I understand that even the city of Richmond, uh, when we talk about environmental racism, there's a particular part of the city which is inundated with all kinds of factory uh, contaminants, uh, all, all kinds of uh, soil contaminants. And I'm, specifically, I'm talking about the south side of Richmond, Richmond Virginia. So clearly it does have a, a devastating impact on the lives, uh, certainly on the longevity of those lives, you know, in the African community. But my question to you is, you know, given this reality in terms of environmental racism, uh, when, when you talk about a situation where Congress actively supports protecting, uh, you know, the military and national security institutions from climate change while dismissing the concerns of the average person in society, what does that say about their, 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 their sense in terms of the value of human life? Yes, and brother Haki, uh, great. This is a great point to bring up because I want to I want to bring us back to an article uh, that was printed in a New African magazine, and this article was around the the uh, the cyclone, the tsunami or the, the flood that took place in Mozambique and and in in, in Zimbabwe and uh, Malawi, Malawi. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this uh, two paragraphs. It's not gonna be long with it. It says the the ferocity with uh, which Cyclone uh, Adai devastated parts of Mozambique, Malawi, Zimbabwe, and Zimbabwe has been described as the worst natural disaster ever to hit the southern hemisphere. Cyclones, storms, floods, and droughts are nothing new in the world, but the frequency with which these occurrences happen is new. No doubt climate change has a lot to do with it. Human activity, we are now convinced, has caused a good deal of climate change and the, cap- uh, the capable actions have been recognized. But there is growing evidence that there is another form of human interference aimed at controlling weather patterns, which seem to have gone under the radar for obvious reasons. This is the whole, uh, this is the whole uh, philonics, if you will, of electromagnetic warfare carried out by the global military superpowers. It should be kept in mind that when the notion that human industrial activity would lead to global warning was first articulated, it was dismissed as a conspiracy theory. Now we know better. And this was, like I said, this has come out of the New African. Now, in conclusion, 
The article states their concerns are informed by the view of Fred Bucks, who was a former United States military interpreter who now writes for the Canada-based media group Global Research. In a major article published by Global Research in 2010 and recently reprinted titled HARP, H-A-R-P, Secret Weapon Used for Weather Modification, uh, Electromagnetic Warfare, Bucks I'm sorry, yes. Bucks says, matter of uh, factly, quote-unquote, of course, disasters like I die happen regularly on a natural basis. Yet, if you begin to research, there is some high strangeness around some of these disasters. The evidence is inconclusive, yet we, yet with the known and unknown major destructive uh, capabilities of uh, electromagnetic geophysical weapons, serious crisis remains. It says Buck's article built on work done early on electromagnetic warfare, war, uh, warfare by three docu- document, documentaries aired by the uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, the History Channel, TrueTV.com, um, was titled Invisible Machine Electro- Electromagnetic Warfare. So, th- so my point is, this is a representative, if you will, interpreter, of the United States military giving information, and there's some more information in the article, but like I said, I don't want to be uh, long-winded. He gives intel information about military having access to manipulate weather to to cause, quote-unquote, uh, tsunamis and cyclones and droughts like they did in Mozambique. Now, in, in conclusion, I close with this. People was uh, laughing at Brother Hugo uh, and made him, made him rest, rest in power. Uh, uh, previous president, uh, freedom fighter Hugo Chavez, when he made a comment that the United States manipulated uh, the earthquakes in Haiti. That wasn't a dubious statement. Now, looking at this information and the information that you provided, uh, Brother Haki, I think uh, Brother Hugo was on to some. He knew what the hell he was talking about, and I conclude. You, you, you know, Brother Maurice, uh, what you say is, is so on point. You know, a lot of people, because the media is very good in terms of, you know, screwing, uh, skewing uh, people's attitudes. But anyway, uh, a lot of things you talk about, we talk about the abuse of technologies for the sole purpose in terms of limited population. It's something that we've got to think, think very, very seriously. Uh, there were, and recently there was the, the tsunami in, in this Asian nation, I can't even call which nation it was, in which it was later revealed that, in fact, that um, – they, they, the position was from intelligence officials that, in fact, it was the result of, um, you know, uh, technology that, that impacted the tectonic plates under the ocean to cause that tsunami, to cause that, that upswell of the ocean. So clearly, you know, people think that this stuff is conspiracy theory and they think that it doesn't really exist. But later we're going to talk about a sister, Dr. Sherry, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Tenpenny, and she talked about in terms of, um, um, you know, talking about the mag- magnetism in terms of the COVID-19 uh, vaccines. And, of course, they, they tout her as some type of conspiracy theory because inevitably, whenever they don't want to talk about something, they want to conceal something, they call it a conspiracy theory. So in the minds of some people, they can simply be dismissed. But it's important to do the research and try to find out what's really going on because the situation, as far as the West is concerned, particularly the imperialist powers, uh, their longevity lies in their ability in terms of actually killing off large number of people, actually controlling the resources of the, of the world. And so, therefore, this kind of desperation breeds, breeds sort of desperate measures in terms of trying to stay on top. So we can't take anything for granted. It's, it's not what you're saying is not over the top. I mean, this is, this is stuff that's been documented, and it's a question of, it's simply a question of people doing the research to find out for themselves exactly what's happening. 
Because the more they understand what's going on in the society, the more they understand the deviousness, you know, of a lot of these Western elites, then the more they come to understand the precarious nature of their own existence on this planet and in important terms of organizing and working together to put it into this because we're all in peril. That's the bottom line. And we have to fundamentally understand that. So, Brother Maurice, I thank you very much for that. Now, let me go to Brother, Brother Moses. Brother Moses, listen. In keeping with uh, what Sister Eleanor said and Brother, Brother Maurice, uh, you know, when you think about the extreme, extreme storms, floods, droughts, wildfires, now, if you think it's continue to get worse, given the level, the high levels of carbon and you know methane in the atmosphere, why does Congress refuse to enact laws that mitigate global warming? Now, what is the real motivation? I'm in plain speak, tell me, what is the motivation? Yeah, All right, hold on. All right, some, is somebody outside? All right. Okay, Brother Moses, we got to talk through the noise. Brother Moses? Brother Moses? Yeah, I'm having, I'm having problems with my phone. I'm, I'm actually on the road. Um, but yeah, I oh, okay. I, okay. I, heard the, I heard the wind. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. Real, real quickly, if you just explain to me, you know, what is the politician's real motivation when it comes to their inability to deal with global warming? Is it for the money, or is it a simple question of lobbyists misleading politicians about global warming? Well, I don't think I don't think they accept science. Um, the the right wing is just, you know, right wing religious bigots, and uh, and basically they don't accept science, and uh, they have their white supremacy ideology. And uh, it doesn't allow for for um, objectivity. It's too subjective, and uh, you know, and definitely money. When it comes to spending money, they definitely don't want to spend money on 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 global warming, which they don't believe in in the first place. And uh, so, it's a combination of the two, I think. Thank you. Uh, Sister Eleanor, if if what Brother Moses is saying is true, if they simply don't care or they think that. Global warming is, is somehow a myth that it doesn't exist. Then what does that mean? What is what is what is the implications for humanity? You know, as the, as the temperature continues to rise, as we talk about this, this, these high levels of methane and carbon, you know, blocking you know blocking in the, the, the heat, uh, as it contributes to uh, temperature rise of oceans, uh, all this stuff is going to have an adverse impact on human beings. So what do you think? So when politicians actually dismiss global 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 warming. So what are the repercussions in your mind? Uh, the, thank you, Brother King. The, the global uh, impact is horrific and quite tragic. It's a loss of uh, vegetation, of species, of human life, and the su- suffering is irreparable. We've already seen just in 2020 and 2021 domestically the horrific fires that are burning right now in the state of New Mexico that's virtually unheard of we we saw the climatic impact in Texas the infrastructure and the homes aren't set up for heating and and the electricity outages all of this is uh is 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 horrific persons 
lost their lives. We've seen in California the forest fires uh, encroaching on human communities, and we've seen people losing their lives, animals losing their lives, domestic and wild. What's, what's horrific is that we continue to see these big mega insurance companies issue policies to these, quote, middle class and affluent people to rebuild. But what's most tragic is that often we talk about education being a human right, and we failed our nation, and it's reflected in the U.S. Congress now. We have a neophyte Congress that has no background in science, no experience in politics, no consciousness in terms of human rights and human survival, and they are now victimized by the new media, meaning uh, it picks out, it picks up on your algorithms or whatever it is, and feeds you the information that you want to see. And as we know, with the President Ronald Reagan, the integrity of journalism was wiped out. Now the first mega maniac was Rush Limbaugh. But now it's just a standard practice on Fox News and other networks. And people honestly think this is reliable information. So I think the fault of Congress right now is just ignorance, a lack of information. I think uh, we need to set up and foster some type of lobbying efforts for working class people. You know, Congress is lobbied every day. And he who has the big voice carries the big stick. We saw it with United Fruit in Central America. We've seen it in in, in Chile. And the, the cost of human life is devastating. And we have no concern for human life. We live in a, a surplus labor economy where they just assume some people are going to lose and are not able to objectify what is happening scientifically. Now, whether or not the military or other of the of any government is manipulating weather is definitely a subject for research and one that uh, we need to know. But the reality of global warming has been known for more than 50 years. We saw the ozone collapsing. We've known about this but ignored it. Now, there was a very heavy movement in the late 60s and 70s to change energy sources to solar, geothermal, wind, and other alternatives that haven't even probably been invented yet, Brother Akeem. But because we were so busy following the status quo, we, we didn't investigate, and we squashed the programs that agencies like the EPA and others had to research subjects like this. And we haven't learned from our past. The buildings that were built with climate in mind, you know, where they had high ceilings because heat rises, where they had windows and used drapes, used, uh, used the south side in the day to heat the walls, strong plaster walls. This kind of thing has been lost. Common 
common things that uh, people knew in domestic life. Now, no one really thinks of their carbon footprint. Even persons who are progressive are walking around with tons of number two plastic, not thinking about how they can reuse, restyle that plastic. What I'd like to see happen, for example, is right now today for someone to say, hey, I'm going to collect all these plastic bottles, I'm going to collect all these umbrellas and old plastic bags from the grocery stores, and we're going to repurpose them. We're going to build canvas bags. We're going to build new materials, clothing. We're going to build new baggage that they can use and carry. We're going to reward people for recycling. Let's get away get away from all these plastic containers. So in the pandemic, we saw a huge increase in food deliveries and uh, door delivery of food. However, there was no vehicle for changing the type of containers, whether we move to bamboo, whatever, use something other than that number two plastic is not being recycled. We need to have a plastic recycling bill where people earn money for recycling. We need to begin to do mass education of not only the citizenry, but also of Congress. By no fault of their own, they are ignorant. Remember, the electorate voted Taylor Greene into Congress. This woman believes in Q, QAnon. She believes in a cult. And you can't convince her, and apparently so do her constituents. So we have a problem in this country. We have an uneducated electorate. We have an uneducated Congress. So it's time to re-educate the people. We should emulate Cuba. Education from zero to the grave. Sister Eleanor, let me ask you a question. You're alluding to a green economy, and that's good. Here's my question to you. Given the kind of um, uh, opposition to the green economy, you know, espoused in particular by the Congress, the U.S. Congress, and and keep in mind when we talk about you know implementing the green economy, essentially what we talk about is investment. Now, my question to you: Where is the money going to come from for the green economy? Where would the money come from? The money for the green economy, brother, comes from the same sources that it comes from now, the U.S. budget. We've seen during this pandemic uh, Congress crying over giving the citizenry a few checks for $1,400, $1,600. But look at the fortune we gave the oil companies. We take those same funds, reward those same companies for divesting from fossil fuel and moving towards a green economy. It's using what exists to create what we hope the world would be. Now, it's really unfortunate that we would have to uh, re-educate the Exxons and the uh, British Petroleum, but we really need to. And we can do it. Anything that affects their pocketbook will make them look twice. So once we take away resources for drilling and ask them to find other resources, once we say to uh, recycling centers, okay, you're recycling, but the ocean's not a, a garbage dump. So we, wanna, we want to 
reinvent these materials, reuse them, and make recycling a part of day-to-day life, it'll become a, it'll become a habit. And I think we take monies that are already within the U.S. economy, in the U.S. budget, and redistribute and reorganize, even if we have to use the existing corporations, put strong controls in place where they will be divested if they continue to behave as they are currently. Okay. Well, before I go to Brother Maurice, uh, let me just say to the public, anyone who have any questions, you can give us a call at 323-679-0841 with your question or comment. If you want to speak, hit one on your phone, and we acknowledge you, and we allow you to ask your question or make your statement. Now, to Brother Maurice. Brother Maurice, let's, let us go to uh, a, a third area of concern. And, you know, recently I read a, a, a article stating the African lives matter. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, um, when, we, when we talk about Af- African lives, it seems to be a problem not just in the context of America, but for globally. So there's certain a great deal of indifference to African lives. So recently, we, there was a the volcano eruption in the Congo. A volcano near Congo erupted, and it compelled half a million Congolese to flee. Now, the interesting thing, despite the kind of benefits the, the, the West approved from Congo's resources, a Western capital refused to acknowledge a tragedy on the old in the Congo and refused to give an assistance to the people in the Congo. Why would that be? Go ahead, Brother Yes, Brother Hakeem. Yes, I just want to uh, make you aware that it, it is some, uh, I think we have to mute uh, one of the callers' um, phone. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that right now as we speak. Okay, okay, I just want to make you aware. Yes, um, yes, African lives do not matter to capitalist interests. Um, our lives do not matter. What matters to capitalists? Uh, of global powers, world global uh, European capitalist or neo-colonialist powers, the only thing that matters to them is African labor, African resources, uh, exploitation of our land. That, 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 that's what matters to them. The lives of Africans, they can give a damn about us. They can give a damn about the lives affected uh, uh, in Congo with the, with the volcano and also with the flooding. Um, you know, we, we had a brother in the Congo who was trying to uh, develop a a, a, a a real political pan-African library, with having book, containing books of Nkrumah, of of Lumumba, uh, of uh, you know, of, of revolutionary fighters, and 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 the library was destroyed, was partially destroyed by the flooding, you know. So and and, and that makes you a call back to when you talk about environmental. Um, <laughs> environmental conflict or environmental uh, uh, um, uh, exploitation, if you will. That's the only thing that these capitalist powers care about. They don't give a damn about African lives. They care about our labor, they care about our land, and they care about our resources. That's, about, that's all they give a damn about. Now, the only, the only, the only uh, people or the only uh, people, when we talk about the only, the only, the only, the only people that African lives African uh, matters Two are people who are should, should it should matter to people of Africa. There's no question it should matter to people of African African uh, DNA, African uh, race, if you will, African African uh, heritage. 
it still that's that's common sense. That's a no brainer, right? But and it all it should matter to all people. All lives should matter. I don't want to sound like uh, uh I don't want when I say all lives, I mean all uh, uh, uh come. I'm trying to uh I'm speaking as a as a, as, as as from a humanistic point of view. Um, we you know pe- people uh, as then as humanism, true humanism. All lives should matter regardless of of race. But when we talk about um when we start dealing with capitalism or capitalists or neo colonialism. That's a different ball game, Jack. Um, and, and, and far as I can, you know, far as I can care, they don't give a damn about us. They don't give a damn about about, about me. Um, and I don't give a damn about them. They last do not matter to me when we talk about uh, capitalists and when we talk about neocolonialists because they're exploding in people on a day-to-day basis. And I think I, I beat I beat the question to a pulp um, with my answer, but I don't want to keep dragging it out. But no, they just care about our land, our resources, and labor, brother Haki. Okay, uh, Brother Moses, now according to the International Rescue Committee, in, since 1998, 5.4 million Congolese have died from violence, hunger, and disease. This directly results of Western policy to ensure the uh, underdevelopment of Africa. What is your response to this, this propensity for Western nations to continue the kind of exploitation to ensure Africa's uh, underdevelopment? Africa, you know, has, ever, has been been underdeveloped for for centuries now, and uh, this uh, race, the racist white supremacist European uh, project, you know, in terms of colonization of Africa and, and exploitation of its resources, is well known. And uh, you know, I don't think that uh, I don't think that you know I don't think that it's a question of of uh, of education, I think it's a question of class stance and class interest, and that basically, you know, we have people whose interests are diametrically opposed to ours, and we have to educate our people to understand that. And basically, that's the need. That's where education is needed, because educating the oppressor is is a may a handful of them may convert convert, you know, amazing grace or whatever a handful, of, but. But the vast majority of them are set. Trump is set in his ways. He's not going to change. And uh, it's an antagonistic contradiction between between the people and the power structure. And we need to be educating people to to revolution, the need for revolution. That's the bottom line. Thank you. Okay. Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor. Yes. Sister Eleanor. Okay. Yes. Do, do African lives matter? African lives matter. All life matters. When we harm one, we harm all of us. And as Brother Moses and Brother Maurice had said, uh, since the Marshall Plan, we've seen the underdevelopment of Africa. And we've seen a few greedy people be exploited to uh, assist in the underdevelopment of Africa. But as you all had mentioned on previous uh, episodes of Africa on the Move, uh, reestablishing price standards for commodities such as cobalt, everything from cobalt, diamonds, zinc, magnesium, whatever, we need to reconsider 
how these raw materials, these uh, these items are manufactured, or not how they're manufactured, but how they're sold and what prices. And in terms of Black Lives Matter, yes, they matter. However, for many people, they never consider lives. And and thank God we don't have to worry about people like Trump because we now our job is to educate the young leaders of the world, the people who are taking over. So we have to keep our eyes on the prize, and the prize is the hearts and minds of the folks uh, that are 40 or less. The prize right now are the fifth graders who are 10 years old today. If we put a strong environmental program within their school, if we do what Pink does, teaching them to garden, to grow food, if we teach them to recycle right now, we give them the proper education to become scientists, architects, and engineers, we will see a no a new world because we don't know where genius comes from, but we know it exists and it exists in the hearts and mind of the people. And the people are ready for revolution. They're ready for cultural change. They're ready to see an environmental change. It's up to the teachers and the elders to guide them. We learn from Afghanistan. They had talented, educated young people, but they failed to have elders to guide them. So they destroyed Buddhist monuments and things, not knowing that this is their history, their culture. So always remember all lives matter. And what happens to the least of us, meaning not the least in numbers, but us in the lower class, the poor, the working class will happen to everyone. If we don't have an infrastructure that supports everyone, it won't matter how much money you have because you won't have the resources you need to live a good life. So what we have to do is let people know right now, if you don't change what you're doing and recognize that black lives in itself means that every life matters. The reason there's a Black Lives Movement is not a narrow nationalist movement. It's a movement where a group of people are systemically ignored. We watch black children, black people being shot, maimed, dying. We watch in Nigeria right now as the Nigerian president invites the U.S. to move from Germany into the continent of Africa. This is an outrage. We watch uh, Nigerians demonstrating. We've seen, as Brother Maurice said, the uh, volcano in the Congo. And uh, so much is going on environmentally. It's unbelievable. We've seen whales moving close to shore. We've seen algae flooding the coastlines. That means the water's too hot. So when we fail to know that every life matters, every tree, every blade of grass, every person, we fail to recognize our own humanity and how vulnerable we are. So black lives matter because all life matters. Black lives matter in this United States because we made a commitment and we built this great land with no remuneration, 
with no 40 acres and a mule. We continue to struggle, and we do it with dignity and grace every day. We watch the Vogue magazine, and the fashion of the children in the street becomes high fashion in America and the world. We listen to the language, the poems, poems and the idio, uh, the, the idiom, the way people speak, the thoughts they have, and it becomes common thoughts. So all I can say is lift every voice and sing, make it the national hymn, and know every day of everyone's lives, life, black lives matter. Whether it's the diaspora, whether it's on the continent, black lives matter. Remember, the second largest Afrocentric country on planet Earth after Nigeria is Brazil. So let's say black lives matter. Now, we have a real racial conflict growing in the world because folks don't want to be brown. They don't want to be black. Everybody in the U.S. is letting people now be white. I had a brother from India standing up talking about his life as a black man. Well, in my lifetime, since race is something that the U.S. decides what race is, I don't know when and how they do it, but they decide. I've seen people in my own lifetime go from being black to now being white. So we need to wake up and stop this from being the issue and know that many more of us are Africans than not, and all life matters, and black lives matter, because if it doesn't matter, if our lives don't matter, no one's life matters. So love yourself by loving each other. Christ said to us, he said, as he rose from the dead for those who believe, he said, all I ask of you is that you love each other as I have loved you. That was a tortured man. Remember when he was in his hometown, he couldn't perform any miracles because of a lack of faith. So when we plant a seed that Black Lives Matter that Mother Earth is the most important thing, that we live in one neighborhood, Mother Earth, then it will be the seed of the future and all life will matter. Okay. On that note, we'll take a cultural station break, and we'll be right back after the break. Break down your way to put one hand before.
Transition into our topic for tonight, and I'll start with with you, Brother Moses. Uh, recent, there was an article uh, entitled "Dr. Timpany and COVID-19." Uh, of course, Dr. Timpany is a she's a doctor out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, she she alleges the COVID-19 vaccine magnetizes people. Then she implied the vaccine interfaces with 5G cellular towers. It's a very interesting claim uh, since monitoring the population by intelligent officials is so important. What do you think of her claims, Brother Moses? Um, you know, I have problems with these conspiracy theories. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's, it's 5G and all this. I mean, I, I, I have problems with that kind of, of analysis on uh, I don't know if my ignorance or what, but I just haven't been convinced by the evidence. Uh, so that's where I am. Thank you. Oh, okay, let me let me post this to you, brother uh, brother brother Moses. Uh, recently, <clears throat> the uh, the American Chemical Society they talked about magnetic nano sensing, uh, and this is a quote, right? It combines biosensing or detection and magnetism. Now, the application of magnetic tools for biological and biomedical use. Now, the advances in medical nanomaterials, nanotechnologies have transformed current diagnostic methods to nanoscale, end of quote. And this is according to the American Chemical Society. So essentially what they're saying is that the the magnetism, in in condition with the uh, nanotechnology, has some medical uh, application. 
In fact, uh, one of the things is that when, when, when Dr. Timpanish, when she talks about the fact that this, when she alluded to the fact that this technology exists, uh, the American Council Society is saying that technology does, in fact, exist. So can we merely dismiss what she's saying, given this information coming out of the American Chemical Society? You there, Brother Moses? Yeah, I I I I guess I didn't read I didn't see I didn't see that article. Evidently, I I was read I thought I had read the article, but uh, I need to research. No, 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 it no, more. no. That's, oh, that's no, that's oh, that's not part of the article. That was some additional research I did in turn around the question of magnetism when it comes to COVID nineteen vaccines. And so I want to know mm-hmm. for myself the, the legitimacy of her claims that uh, that um, that the uh, it causes uh, uh, magnetism in people. Because that's very, very interesting. Because magnetism historically has been very useful in terms of as, as a diagnostic treatment. It goes all the way back to 2900 BC in, in Kemet, ancient Egypt. So the notion that they've been able to combine you know, this, 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 this magnetism with nanotechnology that currently exists means that the potential in terms of magnetizing the body does in fact exist. So that's why I raised that. But that wasn't part of the article. But that was something I did in addition to the article just to find out more about Dr. Tenpenny's uh, position. So, but, but I know that's, that, that doesn't change your mind in terms of, in terms of things, but I just thought that's interesting information that the public needs to know in terms of, you know, the, uh, the potentially uh, the things she's, the, the relevance in terms of what she has to say. Now, let me, let me go to brother, let me go to brother, brother Maurice, brother Maurice. Dr. Timpany, as, as a doctor, one of the things that's so important to her is her credibility. Now, why do you think this doctor will go before a, a public body, um, in particular we talk about the, uh, the legislation body um, in, there in Ohio, and actually make these kind of statements? Do you think that she would make these kind of statements lightly as a physician? I don't know. I definitely, uh, if, 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 you know, a certified doctor would not make uh, light will make a statement like that lightly. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I think she don't want to jeopardize her uh, her her validity or her you know or her uh, or her um, you know her sense of uh, knowledge or even her certification. Uh, you know, I don't want I don't think she would want to undermine herself uh, in this in this fashion. But the, the, this thing around the the, the vaccination, I, I'm I'm not surprised. You know, if it uh, magnetized or you know uh, you know develop magnetism within human beings. Um, I, I, I honestly not surprised uh, one way or the other. Um, what what I what I what I am aware and not also not surprised is that you know uh, reading in the local newspaper for for my city Richmond Virginia, uh, the Richmond Times Dispatcher stated that seventy seventy six percent if I'm if I said stating it correctly seventy six percent of 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 African people here in Richmond, Virginia, um, had the, the rates was up among uh, COVID nineteen. Do even though the vaccination has been put out there, but seventy percent of us here in Richmond, Virginia, still suffer from COVID nineteen uh, or what have you. And and we are high on the list for still having people dying from COVID nineteen. And it's and you know what, you know. It's, 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 for me, I'm just speaking for, for the behalf of myself. It's a damn if you do or a damn if you don't uh, type of situation. Um, you know what we are dealing with COVID-19. I witnessed, I witnessed that it, uh, from my, from my, on my level, 
it killed it, it had it took out my um brother my my brother's father you know he didn't have any other line uh health issues he didn't have high blood pressure he wasn't a diabetic you know he was a healthy uh individual but he deteriorated from this COVID-19. And I'm pretty sure all of us who are listening in and on this call, on this show, um, know somebody who was affected or died from COVID-19. But, but I digress, um, Brother Haki. This, you know, I'm not surprised. But, but to get back to your question, I don't think this doctor would make this statement lightly, jeopardizing her, her, validity, her validity, jeopardizing her... Her, her, you know, her certifications, her doctor, and 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 and, and jeopardizing her, her rep, if you will, like like we say, in the, like they say in the, on the streets, jeopardizing jeopardizing her rep, reputation. Um, but yes, I, I conclude with that. Sister Eleanor, conspiracy or potentially uh, uh, informative. crises in this country. Uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Good evening. I I think that uh, it might have been very well misinformation. I don't have any data that would uh, uh, suggest that anything she said was factual. And talking about uh, people being vaccinated interfering with cell towers, this stuff is far-fetched and ridiculous. This is ridiculous as the QAnon theory, in my opinion. Now, according to the U.S., uh, to the New York Times this week, uh, it says the U.S. heads into a second pandemic summer, warning that uh, those who fail to get vaccines vaccinated against the COVID-19 risk becoming infected by a variant that is most more easily transmittable potentially deadlier and particularly dangerous to young people. Now, you know, Vice President Camilla Harris visited a vaccination center in Atlanta, Georgia on Friday and uh, the 18th. And and in Russia right now, the Delta variant, that's what the Indian variant is called, the Delta variant, is now the most prevalent version in Moscow where case numbers have tripled over the past two weeks. And city officials have added 5,000 beds to the corona virus ward. The outbreak has led to some vaccine mandates. And in England, Freedom Day, when the last remaining Covert restriction had been scheduled to end was delayed until July 19th after a spike in the Delta variant. So Boris Johnson expressed confidence that they could curb the vaccine if folks simply went out and got themselves vaccinated. Now, for us as African people, we have a real challenge that we're facing because we are amongst the people grossly affected as our Native Americans. They're uh, virtually invisible on the reservation. And I, as uh, many people, know more than one person who has lost their life to this virus. 
um, across Georgia, members of at least uh, 10 counties' uh, uh, election boards are being replaced right now, several of them with black de- Democrats, like a woman named uh, uh, Lonnie uh, Hollis. And in, in Arkansas, electoral control has been stripped from county authorities. And in Kansas, uh Republicans overrode a veto from the Democratic government to enact laws uh, stripping the governor of the power to modify election laws. Now, this woman was wanting to pass a bill in Ohio that would prohibit universities and other places from making a vaccine mandate. She sounds like she's got a death wish for our youth, for minorities, and other persons. Black Lives Matter. This woman doesn't sound credible, and she has credentials. And you know what it makes me think? You know, we have a mental, a behavioral health crisis in this country, and it's not limited to one class of persons, one race of persons. And this is a well-educated person with credentials that seems to be uh, discussing something that is so out of line with a little bit of science that an everyday person like me is exposed to. So I can't put any weight at all in this article at this time, and it, it really would require further research. research. And it seems like uh, she's in conflict with the, with the uh, what is the, the place, Brother Hakeem, help me with it, in Atlanta. Uh, uh, the Center for uh, Disease Control, is that the correct name? And Prevention. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And Prevention. Yes. And, and she, she, somehow she would have access, and certainly they would be interested in her research. But as the article said, she said 5,000 people had died with no evidence. And I hope that this is not a time in our country where in the state of Ohio, 5,000 vaccinated persons could die and no one know about it, that their families, that everyone suppresses such horrific loss. Mm-mm. It doesn't make sense to me, brother, and I'm sorry I'm maybe just uninformed and uneducated, and she is uh, allegedly an MD, but the article didn't even show whether or not she was in good standing with the local medical board. I question her credibility. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. But anyway, this if you want to know more about this, this particular topic, uh, go by and check out the American Chemical Society and check out their, 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 their research. It's very, very illuminating. I think yeah, you think... deal. Sure, go ahead. Excuse me. I, I do think in terms of mag- magnets and that kind of thing, I don't know a lot about that, but I know they've been used for a long time, and I know that uh, there are uh, uh, these uh, hyperbaric chambers and all these things that, you know, can oxygenate the blood and heal folks, and I walk right by one every time I'm in, in, in my podiatrist's office at Georgetown University. They just don't allow folks like me, and I've requested it. Please give me a chance because I, I, I have health concerns that are not um, being suppressed and I would like uh, some improved therapy and treatment. And in terms of Richmond, Virginia, you know, Richmond uh, was one of the cities not 
that was burned down during the Civil War, the Seven Hills of Richmond, and they compared it to the burning of Rome. But one part that was left remaining was Fulton, Virginia. And Fulton, Virginia was devastated by urban renewal. That was a real loss. Okay. Let's go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, did you hear the question relating to Dr. Timpany and COVID-19? No, I didn't. Would you mind repeating it? Uh, I, sure, I do sure, apologize. Sure. It's okay. Listen, uh, well, Dr. Timpany out of Cleveland, Ohio, uh, there was an article in which she alleges uh, that the COVID-19 vaccine magnetizes people. Then she implied the vaccine interface with 5G cellular towers. That's a very interesting claim. Uh, she goes on to say that 5,000 people have died from this vaccine. And, of course, one of the things, Sister Eleanor, that's the, 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 the fact that people have died from the vaccine is well documented. That is well documented. Now, the question is, why hasn't there been a congressional hearing in terms of so many deaths that's related to the, to the vaccine? Even if there's just 10 people, why hasn't there been some inquiry? Your response, Brother Anthony. Yes, I think um, I think there is an, a, a, a certain degree of, uh, of anxiety on the part of the U.S. public, for one thing, to go back to normalcy. And this is, and, and, and the thing about it, though, I mean, um, you know, because of the uh, pandemic, a lot of businesses have lost a lot of money. You know, with these, uh, you know, with the restrictions imposed by the pandemic. So the vaccines represent a cure-all in a sense that, uh, that, uh, that, 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 the, the pandemic go away. So some people believe and that, and that, you know, people can, uh, you know, uh, shed their mask for good and go back to the way it was in, in, in you know, in the good old days during the uh uh prior uh to the uh to the coronavirus but uh i think there've been some ch- some permanent changes that have been made around the world as a result of this pandemic uh and um you know the virus can't be put back in the bottle so to speak that easily and uh i mean there are a host of uh health and uh technical uh technical implications associated with the virus and also and also i've uh, i've i've read that the that the vaccine does not prevent a person from getting uh uh the coronavirus it doesn't prevent that what it does, uh, it, it uh, alleviates the degree of suffering associated with it. But I yep. mean, uh, but people are raving like it, you know, it's a cure. It real, it, it, it isn't. What it is is that it's, uh, it, you know, at best it it, alle- uh, it alleviates the suffering and may decrease the degree to which you are likely to get the virus but doesn't prevent it completely. And there have been studies on that also. And, uh, but 
the media does not emphasize that. It emphasizes, uh, you know, um, uh, you know that uh, that uh, you know that 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 the lives, prevents hospitalizations. But what? But 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 the thing is, it does not uh, really cure the virus or reduce your chance of getting it to zero. It does decrease the chances of getting it, but it's not. But but it's not really a cure all necessarily. And there are certain side effects with it, and uh, you know. And I think there needs to be more research and study into the long-term Im- impact of it. You know, Brother Anthony, you know, one of the things is this, what you're alluding to essentially is the commercial aspect, you know, of this vaccine. If, in fact, one of the things you said historically, they always taunted, taunted how potent this particular, these viruses, these, these vaccines were. They talked about as high as 94, 97% effective. And it turned out that's not the case. And the things that you're alluding to in terms of the efficacy of these, these vaccines, you're absolutely correct. They're not what they are touted to be. And so clearly there's a commercial aspect in which people are making lots and lots of money off of this. But more importantly, I think when you think about, you know, people who die from taking these, these, these vaccines, I, I'm hard-pressed to understand why there's not some type of congressional inquiry in terms of why are people dying from supposedly vaccines which, is, which, which has these high efficacy rates. So I'm, I'm, I'm confounded in terms of precisely what's going on. Maybe someone in the panel has explained to me how easy it's going to have over 5,000 deaths from COVID vaccines, but then there's no investigation. Can somebody explain to me what that's all about? Now, start with you, Brother Maurice. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you know, I, I cannot explain that to you. If, if, I don't understand how we can have 5,000 deaths from the vaccine and there's no, uh, there's no investigation. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't have the, uh, I didn't do the research, uh, or have not done, I shouldn't say have not, not have not done the research, but I, I have not, I don't have the enough, uh, I guess, capacity or information to, to, or knowledge to, to speak to that or, or uh, to even make sense of that. You understand what I'm saying? Or to contribute to that question, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't understand how you can have, <laughs> you know, 5,000 deaths. And I'm not laughing at the at the deaths. I'm just saying how you can have it's absurd to have five thousand deaths from the from the vaccine, and it's, there's no investigation uh, from it whatsoever. But what I do know, and what I can uh, speak or, or provide to to, uh, uh, to this conversation is that we have learned in the past. You see these commercials like uh, you know five years or ten years later. If you have if you was a recipient of the such and such mad, uh, vaccine, or if you or if you was a uh, recipient, or you, or if you, if you have been prescribed such and such magic medication, like even baby powder, right? I used to use baby powder wide open in the nineties. A thing of baby powder, um, it was a recall on baby powder uh, developing cancers and 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 uh, access to skin. So we, you know, um, so we just to say that we're living in a um, we're living in a a, a system. Or a situation like in it, that, you have the FDA, the Food and the Drug Administration, um, administration that, that runs food and drugs, and we know there is that there, there is uh, uh, foods that 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 that, that develop um, that develop illnesses 
that make you go to get these uh, medications. These medications. Um, we not we can't be naive to that. We understand if you eat that touch, if you eat this product or you eat this food, therefore you're going to the outcome is going to be you're going to have to be prescribed this medication and this. And it's not and, 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 and therefore we cannot be naive to the fact that the FDA, the the food or these restaurants or the food industry is not in, in cahoots. Or you know, not in cahoots, or not, they don't work together along with pharmaceuticals, or or, or, or the drug, I mean, or, or the you know the drug uh, over the counter, or, or, or these type of drugs or medications, if you will, um, or whatnot. So, like, and that's and I conclude by saying this, uh, and that's to take away from your question, brother Haki, uh, comedian Chris Rock. He stated something funny in one of his routine. Uh, he stated that in America. Um, they don't they don't give you the core the 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 because the, uh, the if they give you the cure, they will lose out on their money. They'll give you the prescription so you can keep coming, coming back, coming back, so they can get their money. They'll be a fool if they would to give us the cure because they would not make any money, right? That's what that was his routine routine that he uh, he had said. I think it was on HBO or whatever. But I you know. You cannot put we cannot uh you cannot put nothing past or you can't you just can't you got you can't take um you can't you, you can't get too involved in, uh, I know on conspiracy theories but you got to take all information seriously and you got to do the research and you got to and you got to research uh valuable and credible resources you know I, I would say that you have to do you have to read and you have to have the data and you have to you have to uh observe credible resources. Not just uh, you know fictitious uh, conspiracy theories, uh, YouTube, uh, YouTube scholars, or any, anything of that nature. You have to do the uh, the 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 um, the, uh, uh, the 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 I'm sorry the um, the internal, if you will, your personal research of data of credible resources um, to to evaluate what's going what's going on. But and you know, but like you said, uh, brother Haki, it's sad and it's pitiful that we are having these deaths. 5,000 deaths uh, from from um, the vaccine. And in the system of capitalism, they're not going to let anything destroy that system. Capitalism was on the brink. They took a big blow uh, in 2020, and they said, hell no, we got to do something about this. They didn't give a damn about essential workers. They didn't give a damn about medical workers. And they didn't give a damn about the everyday person who are, who was in the everyday struggle of losing their home and, and living paycheck to paycheck. So my thing is, yes, you're dealing with vicious, you're dealing with a vicious system, and we have to we have to be you know you you you, you, you have you you have to be observed you have, you you have to be aware. I say that, and I and I I conclude. But when you're dealing with the system of capitalism, you have to be very very aware, and you have to do your research. But brother Moses, you know one of the things that's very interesting is that we don't have a fundamental right to know anything much in society. Even when it comes to even when it comes to food, we don't have a right to even know what's in the food that we eat. So it seems to me, considering this information in terms of the five thousand five thousand deaths and the Congress inability to formulate an inquiry, it seems to me that all this suggests that there is there's no desire to educate the people in the society. Is that a correct assumption, or is it a wrong assumption? Sure, certainly not. The Congress is not interested in educating people. Uh, they're, they're they're interested in getting reelected, basically, and um and, yeah. uh, protecting the interests of the bourgeoisie. And um, 
you know, it's we live in we live in some perilous times, and you know, this it takes a a lot of scrutiny and a lot of research and education to really know what's going on. Uh, uh, you can't just look at the surface. Uh, you know that info wars, as they 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 declared, um, they have an agenda and they put out information that perpetuates their agenda, and and that's what's been going on, uh, especially under the Trump people. And so, you know, I, you know, I like to know the background of these people and where they're coming from, and who who they've been involved with up until now, and uh, and uh, you know, do they have an agenda? Uh, but you know, definitely, definitely, Congress is not educating people. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Is there a conspiracy information out of the out of the hands of of, of the citizens? Right now, the, the 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 conspiracy. I don't know if there's a conspiracy, but when you have uninformed, uninformed people being electric, elected by the electorate, by the voters, the real problem is miseducation and undereducation. Like we're focusing on this article tonight, I'm going to jump out on a limb and say that that woman is a farce. And that everything that I read and understand, it's a distraction from the real concerns that persons interested in human rights, education, health care, housing, and revolution need not waste their time on. I think it's important to examine all information to read it, but this is absurd that People are interacting with cell towers, really? Now, I do know there is a problem with those heavy-duty electrical wires, and that's well known. And so farmers are paid because they can they run across farmland, you know, those big, big mega electrical, uh, they're not poles, but they're just huge things that they use in rural areas as a way of bringing electricity to uh, co-ops out in states like New Mexico, I mentioned them often, or Wyoming, or places where the infrastructure is just not there. So what I see right now that's most important is combating authoritarian leaders, whether they are in Brazil, whether they're in Belarus, Wherever they stand, whether they're Donald Trump in America, and the electric stood up to him, and we really made a difference. So we see there's room for change, but we're at, as Brother Moses and Brother Maurice and Anthony and you say, we're at a critical time. This just isn't about ordinary, this isn't about revolution and political philosophies. We are fighting these, these neo-fascists. This is a horrible time. Everyone has access to a computer, but uh, recently uh, I, I found a site on the on your, when you're reading from the public library. It'll tell you how many minutes you're reading a day if you're doing it on your computer and not. And I found that the average person actually reading is spending 20 minutes or less. So we have an uninformed person looking at uh, brief articles written by who knows whom, and we have no 
laws that require factual reporting. So the real scientists, the real journalists, are competing with people who have a political agenda, who are uneducated themselves. They're only concerned with advancing their agenda. They're not concerned with the quality of life or even their descendants or anyone else. So for the rest of us, we must stand strong, stand together. And I'll tell you what Josh Williams said. Brother Josh Williams uh, celebrated his 20th anniversary uh, uh, this this, uh, year where for the first time the Metro Workers Union, as he said, when they started business ran, for example, D.C. People didn't run D.C. The people didn't run D.C., but business did. Look what twenty a difference 20 years has made. Now we have a representative of the, I'm looking here, of the AFIC. Uh, what is the correct acronym for the, for the union? Can anyone help me? AFL-CIO. Yes, Josh Williams, a black man, 20-year anniversary, and for the first time workers have a foothold. This pandemic did something great for low-wage earners. People realize how important they are, and hopefully from the people understanding how important they are, they will value themselves. So they need higher wages, jump out of that waitress-serving job, go work for uh, government, be into environmental management, be into uh, Recycling, change your occupation and change your life. Workers were able to be recognized for the force they are, these frontline workers. Whether First, we didn't recognize the doctors and nurses. We didn't even think of the people who work in grocery stores or who clean our streets, who remove our waste. We didn't think of solid waste management, but now we do. So we have to seize this opportunity as an educational form for re-educating the everyday person and just understand that we can make a difference and workers matter. What was your question again, by the way, Brother Hakeem, so I can end with a direct answer? <laughs> no, yeah. no, you, 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 you answered it. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, you, you answered it. I, I just, I just wanted to get you to, to sort of clarify. Uh, Can you restate it? Though, you the were talking aspect. about. I'm sorry, Brother King. You said what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't hear you. And and, and just to sum up, Black Lives Matter once again. Workers matter, and I would suggest that there's a real problem in this country with people getting vaccinated. And I believe, you know, if I'm going to do a a theory, I think they're trying to tell us we don't have to wear the mask if we're vaccinated so they can get others to become vaccinated. But right now I want to urge everyone to go out and get vaccinated. Save our lives. Save African lives. And there are countries in Africa looking for vaccines They're concerned that they haven't arrived. Twelve countries, I understand, haven't begun any vaccination campaign. 
and we have a phobia because we've suffered. We all remember the Tuskegee Institute. We all remember the clinic of the 70s and 80s where women on college campuses and other places went in for a, a normal exam and came out sterilized. So we know the suffering of medical infringements on black people. We know that medical science uses female cadavers to find out uh, health cures for male illnesses. Look what we did with HIV-AIDS. It affected millions of people. It's still affecting people on the continent and in Central and South America. So, again, we need to make these uh, uh, cocktail, medical cocktails available to them. The World Health Organization has mandated or at least requested that Moderna and other people uh, producing vaccines allow any pharmaceutical company on earth that has the wherewithal to produce the vaccine to do so. And again, if we don't save everyone, we're not saving anyone, and it's just a matter of time. And Brother Anthony was so correct. This vaccine doesn't mean you will not catch the uh, virus or you're not suffer from the virus, but what it does is give you an ounce of prevention. And you know what they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, Brother Anthony, you know, I'm, 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 started, I'm, I'm really confounded because the whole problem is that, you know, when they, when they talk about the effectiveness of these, of these vaccines and then people actually die from it, uh, I find that very problematic. Now, you talk about the fact that the vaccine doesn't cure, doesn't prevent COVID-19. If that being the case, then certainly the more information you have out there, the more critically people will look at these vaccines. So you think that access to information by the people is a fundamental threat to those in positions of power in the U.S.? It is, and that's why, uh, and that's why these deaths are probably aren't being being investigated as thoroughly as they should. Um, you gotta cons- uh, keep in mind this is a capitalist society with a very entrenched uh, uh, bourgeoisie, and uh, through and through uh, their control of resources and funding of lobbies, they control these political figures we're dependent we're depending upon. Uh, for. Uh, you know, just to give you uh, the, the give a brief example, one of the largest lobbies in Washington is the pharmaceutical industry. They have a huge lobby, and they finance uh, these uh, political figures. Where uh, you know we're counting on, uh, you know, to represent the people, but. Uh, but as uh, Brother uh, Robert alluded to, most of most of the congressional leadership is uh, preoccupied with getting reelected, and that was a and that was an observation that Adam Clayton Powell made several day, m- m- many decades ago. Many decades ago, and. Uh, and uh, so you know, so uh, so that in terms of why certain things don't get done, uh, 
even though it would be in the interest of the people to have them done, is because the duopoly is controlled by capitalists. And every well, every single one of though uh, 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 of the uh, uh, of the congressmen are dependent upon them for their careers, and uh, you know I mean uh, consider who provides the funding of these millions of dollars that are spent on on uh, on electoral campaigns. So, uh, so I think I think a key factor is in terms of why uh, 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 people aren't more. Uh, uh, there isn't an investigation into this matter because people would start questioning the vaccines, and that is something that is not something the ruling class wants. Okay, now before we, before we take a quick break, just to reiterate, I think it's important that uh, we don't endorse conspiracy theories. But I think to the extent that certain wild kinds of theories have some legitimacy uh, based upon um, def- you know, the documented research, uh, we can't take that lightly. I think in this particular case, when we talk about Dr. Penny's statement, I encourage people to go back and to look at the document. It's a very scientific document, so you've got to take your time reading it. By the American Chemical Society. Please go back and read that document. It's very technical, but if you take your time, get your get your your, your, your library out, get your computer out, research certain terms, you'll come to the conclusion that a lot of things that Dr. Tim Penny is saying is not imaginary. So I'm saying that to say that I encourage people to definitely uh, do that. So let's let us take a cultural station break, and we'll be right back. Don't 
Again, for any anyone out there, any listeners who have any questions or comments, give us a call, 323-679-0841, and don't forget, you must push one to be acknowledged. All right, now let's go to our next, our next uh, article. This was entitled, China Passes Anti-Sanctions Law as Response to U.S. Hostility. Now, China recently passed legislation to counter the U.S. and EU European Union sanctions. Historically, the U.S. and the EU have sanctioned China over human rights abuses, namely the Uyghurs, as well as 14 members of the National People's Congress. Sanctions, in this case, would make seizure of assets possible while preventing travel of, um, of, of political figures in China. China's response was to pass the Anti-Foreign Sanctions Act. Now, this act... Uh, would allow Chinese citizens to file a lawsuit in China against any Chinese company complying with foreign sanctions, in particular Hong Kong. Sue any company in or outside of China that unfairly restricts trade and thoroughly imposes fines on foreign companies. Now, my question to you, I'll start with you, Brother Moses. This is a lot of China's fighting back. You know, I, I, would, I would imagine China would say they're saving face. Uh, but in terms of what China wants to do, do you think um, do you think these laws are enforceable? Do you think China will actually enforce these laws? My question to you, Brother Moses, in your response. Um, I, evidently, I, I got the wrong reading of this um, because I don't remember this article. But um, China, China is you know I believe in the one China doc, um, ideology, and that China, you know, the People's Republic of China is, is the one China. And that they have a right to to these these um, renegade um, governments that um, 
that have not um, um, recognized the sovereignty of, of the Chinese government. And, um, you know, I stand with China basically. Uh, uh, I'm not... I'm not certain of the particulars of this situation, so I don't want to comment at this time. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Brother Anthony, does China have the force, the strength, to actually carry out these laws? Yes, I think they do. I mean, um, I think you're talking about, uh, you know, a a country that has – well, let's see. According uh, uh, according to statistics, uh, about one third of the world's population lives in China, and they're organized. And I think, and I think, and uh, so they they, uh, they can, uh, you know, to do do what's necessary to protect, you know, their own interests. And uh, 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 and uh, they're uh, they're acting in a truly independent fashion. They're not uh, uh, they're not going to you know you know when you know when you know when they when they encounter hostility they 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 respond appropriately. And I think this is something that Africans can learn from what China is doing. In terms of uh, you know standing up, you know to uh, you know uh, uh, bullying and uh, 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 other forms of imperialist hostility, and uh, I think uh, I think the Chinese have the ability to to do that, especially if they uh, if they stay uh, you know organized and united. And, uh, you know, and they are not going to be dictated to by, uh, you know, by a capitalist uh, minority, which exists in Hong Kong and, um, you know, other parts of the Chinese diaspora. Okay, Brother brother Maurice, let me sort of change that question around. My concern is this. Uh, one of the things, we talk about the role that money plays in, the, in American society, um, where actually society throughout the world. But what is interesting is that um, in order for China uh, laws to be effective, it means you as capitalists must abide by those laws. My question to you is, is very, very simple. Do you think that U.S. capitalists would abide by China's laws simply because they stand to benefit financially? Or you think they will resist those laws? Yes, that's a, that's a that's a good question, uh, brother Hackey. Um, honestly, uh, of course, the answer to, for America to abide by anybody's laws, especially China, would be an automatic no, right? But in the sense of, like you said, if 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 it's economic interest is at, at hand, and China is a super uh, is a superpower. Um, and they and, and and at this point they fail to undermine China, they will have to abide by China rules, right? Because you know up up to this point, China is <laughs> China is like like Malcolm stated, uh, and he stated this in the, in the sixties that it, it was said years ago, and this is Malcolm speaking, and I'm paraphrasing. It was said years ago that we won't have a China man's hell. We, I forgot how he said, it, but basically, you probably familiar with the speech, but. 
they, we, we don't have a kind of man's hell in surviving or into in, 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 in developing or whatever. But China, as he was saying, look at what China is at the day in that time in the 1960s. China has, as of right now in 2021, China has far exceeded that. And I'm not romanticizing China. China is negative and positive in anything and everything. Um, you know, China has some negatives when we, you know, uh, when, but they have, a, when, we, when we look at the continent and the stuff that's going on on the continent in regards to China or what have you, but uh, China also has some, some great positive, positives. But to answer your question, in, in, in this format, in this fashion, yes, <laughs> United States of America, uh, yes, they do have to abide by uh, China's, China, China rules. Sorry for you poor Americans, but yeah, in this sense, yes, I, w- I would say. Sister Eleanor, at the end of the day, will corruption by the U.S. capitalists uh, make it make it uh, possible, make it uh, inevitable that they'll play ball with China? Well, uh, first of all, you know this is a, a new day, and as Brother Maurice said, this is a new world. China has both the economic power and the political will to use uh, sanctions against the U.S., the EU, and Great Britain. And as the article stated, uh, Beijing is simply taking a page from the playbook of the U.S. and the EU, which in uh, recent years had passed various laws to severely place uh, legal restraints uh, for their uh, on China in terms of their engagements with China. But uh, it, it, it seems to be changing. It, China, as uh, one of the analysts mentioned, it is not only the second largest country in land base, but I believe it may be uh, either second or first in terms of populace. So I believe China both has the economic power and the political will to impose uh, sh- sanctions on the, uh, persons doing business with China. China's uh, legislature, the National People's Congress, uh, seems to be uh, have stood firm, and I, I believe these laws, according to the article, pat- were passed in uh, January. Uh, I'm 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 not sure, but the CPC, uh, as I said, the People's People of Congress passed laws. It says on Thursday, according to the CCTV, uh, the new law law is China's latest and most wide-ranging legal tool to respond to foreign sanctions. As local experts say, it is intended to give China measures more. Uh, China's measures more legitimacy and predictability. So I think this would be good for China in terms of a global player, in terms of transparency, and and laws are great in that they're written so everyone understands them and follows the rules. The U.S. and its allies have increasingly placed sanctions on China, uh, especially during the Trump administration regarding uh, Beijing and also concerning Hong Kong. And I, you know, Hong Kong is a very touchy 
subject because they were under British rule in 1999. So I believe they were returned to China but remained independent. And I believe people have a right to self-determination. So countries have a right to sovereignty. But then we have what is almost an island nation. You know, is Monaco not a nation? It's small, but it's there in Europe. So that's another subject. But, yes, I do believe that China has the economic and political strength to enforce these new sanctions. Let me uh, go back to something that Brother Maurice, Brother Maurice said, and I think it's important to provide some clarity. Because I, won't, I don't want to equate apples to oranges in terms of any kind of analysis. But clearly, one of the things, a couple of things that China has going for it. One, China has uh, one, one language, two different dialects, largely. So yeah. the question in terms, in terms of culture uh, is, is, is not very difficult in terms of conveying ideas, in terms of reinforcing those ideas in terms of the culture of China. So in that respect, uh, China is much more unified than, let's say, Africa. Africa is the birthplace of all human beings, and so therefore, as a consequence, you have every kind of language, uh, culture, tradition imaginable on the African continent. So that's inherent division that exists in Africa. Secondly, uh, I, one of the things is that we've we, we got to understand the role that the West played in terms of facilitating uh, uh, China's rise. Remember, in the 80s, when they closed up all the factories in America, and they sent all those factories, all those jobs to China. In addition to investing, yeah. they made it <laughs> okay. They made it. They made it possible for China to rise. Just not to dismiss China's accomplishments, because I think what China accomplished over a relatively short period of time, in addition to its desire in terms of actually creating infrastructure throughout the world, because they understand it's in their long-term interest to ensure that infrastructure development exists throughout the world. Uh, I think that uh, China has done some good things. But I just want to make sure that people understand that we not we don't equate apples and oranges because I'm sure there's some out there saying, well, the Chinese did it, why can't Africans do it? It's two different ball games, and, my, and so I'm gonna get a response from everybody, and I'll start with Brother Moses in terms of what I just said. Well, China, China is you know is unique. China is guided by scientific socialism principles and and and. Uh, you know, Marxism, Leninism, Mao Zedong thought. And so, you know, they have uh, serving the people is the highest good there. And so, you know, the profit-driven system, you know, while it may be um, still around, the dominant structure is, is scientific socialism and Marxism, Leninism, Mao Zedong thought. And so, you know, Africa has not been unified yet. And, uh, we're trying to unify them on the Pan-Africanism, and, uh, and uh, you know, like you said, China's one-third of the world. You know, there's a lot of nations in China, and, and you know, it's quite an accomplishment that they speak with one voice, with one government, and with, with one aspiration, and that is the development of the world in, in, a, in a humanized fashion. I don't know if I'm asking you a question, but... I, and uh, plus, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to be on on silent now. I'm going. I'm uh, on my way back home, and uh, I'm going to listen. I'll be listening. Uh, I'll I'll uh, leave it right there. Thank you. Okay, Brother Moses. All right. Uh, next, let's go to Brother Maurice. What are your What is your evaluation in terms of what I said? 
Oh, no, I, I agree, and I, and I thank you so much for providing more uh, clarity uh, to what the point that I was trying to make, you know. Um, no, China, you know, China, China, and that's the, that's the same point I was trying to make. I guess I was just saying, saying it uh, loosely, if you will. But no, China, China definitely uh, came came a long, long way. And and, and you're right to your point about uh, the oppression of when when if, if someone was to ask the question, if China can do it, why Africa Africa cannot do it? Well, you have to look at the history. You have to put everything in the history. Uh, historical uh, context: China was not colonized on a level of as Africa was. That's that's that's, that's the first thing, you know. Af- Af- and it wasn't it, it, when they say colonized. Let's be spe- uh, specific. It wasn't carved and divided up and and and, and it, it, like as Africa was on a level of Africa and 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 and, and received the horrors, the uh, the horrors of uh, as Africa did. You know, um, I would I would I would I would say that. Uh, you know, in China, uh, you know, of course, Mao, man, I, I I love Mao. Mao, you know, I love his principles and I love his work ethic and his strategies of what he did to get China to where where is that right now? You know, we cannot we cannot um, you know take that for granted. But the you know, I just wanted I just just that's my response uh, to to your question. You know. Um, but I, I, but 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 also the point the negative when I was making the comment of positives and negatives negatives with China, yes I don't want to I don't want to uh, uh, be naive to the fact that yes uh, you do have some on a, on a, you have some uh, and that's they don't represent the principles uh, of China uh, some of these uh, corporations that's that's or some of these uh, uh, companies that are in Africa. Um, I just want to make the make 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 the point that some of these uh, companies don't represent represent the the the, uh, the you know the government of China, if you will. But you but on the flip side, you do have some companies in in, in Africa that are doing a, a, a hell of a, a, a doing a great service to Africa, if, if you will. Um, you know, um, not not exploiting Africa for uh, for resources, but but coming coming to Africa with, with technical assistance with with uh, with the, helping us uh, get industrialized and develop. So, but I, I leave it right there. I conclude. Well, you know, Brother Maurice, potential for exploitation exists. Because as you alluded to, you got Chinese businessmen who go to Africa who are trying to maximize their profits. They're no different than the capitalists in America who want to maximize their profits. It's incumbent upon Africans to take a stand and say, no, 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 there'll be no exploitation. If it's not a deal that's mutually beneficial to both of us, we're going to reject it. So that's coming upon Africans. So let's be very clear on that point. Uh, Brother Anthony, your response to what I had to say. How you doing? Yes, I think it's. Um, I think it's. Uh, you you, you know, know it's on it's on point. Uh, I would add that I think um, you know I think that the, uh, you know uh, as Brother Maurice alluded to. Africa has been subject to a longer history of uh, division than China has. Uh, China, uh, uh, China, even though it has different ethnic groups, has been unified for a longer period of time than Africa has. Africa is still striving for political unification, and I think it, and I think it's something it, it should pursue. Of course, um, but 
But I think, uh, but I think uh, what 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 China's uh, stance represents is the possibilities of a unified people standing up uh, to uh, to imperialism. And I think that's the example that Africans sh- sh- should draw from China, uh, not uh, you know the behavior of uh, in, of every uh, uh, you know of uh, certain individuals that come out of there, and also be- any society, you know, has uneven development. In other words, no society is going to, even if it expires to be socialist, it's not going to be perfectly socialist. Because uh, socialism is a transitional phase towards, uh, yeah. uh, you know, communism, ultimately. But you're going to have traces of, the, uh, uh, of old economic systems, just as you have traces even inside the U.S., which is the most advanced capitalist country in the world, you have traces of old econo- of older economic systems. Uh, traces, but what's dominant is uh, capitalism in, in all of its uh, manifestations. And uh, so I think, uh, I think uh, you know, not to pull out the oranges, you have to put things in a historical context. And uh, as this, uh, Secretary pointed out, Africa has its, has its own culture. That is something that has to be kept in mind as we look at, you know, other examples mm-hmm. around the world that, uh, that, that, that Africa has its, has its own history and unique cultural experiences. And that has to be put in context as we try to bring about uh, uh, the political unification of Africa. And you're right, Brother Anthony. And that was sort of um, complicated by the West creating its artificial barriers, uh, which sort of facilitate a lot of division in African society. So it's going to take some time in terms of Africa's resolving that, that, uh, that inherent uh, conflict as a result of a colonial legacy. Uh, Sister Eleanor, your response to what I had to say. Um, and would you repeat the question, please, brother? <laughs> okay, so it's a long question. Okay, uh, it's a long question. Uh, okay, uh, let me let me paraphrase. Essentially, what I'm saying is that you know when you look at the, the development of Africa and China, it's difficult to equate the two. Uh, specifically, when you start talking about foreign investments. Uh, when you when you look at Africa in terms of its lack of foreign investments, uh, you can't compare it to China, which has a lot of foreign investments. In particular, when you go back to the 1980s, and the U.S. closed up all the factories, in the, most of the factories in the United States, and sent them abroad to China. In addition to large investments, it made it possible. It gave China a, a foundation from which to rise. And so it's quite different compared to what's happening in Africa. So my, my, my point was I didn't want people to confuse. They're saying, well, listen, you're telling me, telling me good things that China's doing, but how come Africa can't do the same thing? Well, the historical experiences are two different things. The economic experiences, what we talk about on a micro or macro level, are totally different. Of course, as I alluded to, we talk about the numerous cultures and traditions and languages spoken in Africa because it's the birthplace of human beings. Uh, all of that uh, sort of negates 
you know, uh, any real unity in a political sense. So therefore, it's going to take Africa some time in terms of dealing with these issues. And I think Africa, particularly the younger generation, is doing a very good job in terms of dealing with each other across tribal spectrum. But I think it's going to take some time. But I think you can't equate that with China, which has, you know, one language or two dialects. And so it's much more unified on that basis. So my question is, you know, can we, do, you under, do, you, do you agree that we shouldn't compare the two? Well, definitely we can't possibly compare the two because, as you stated and the other speakers, China uh, had great uh, investment uh, uh, in the in the uh, 80s. We saw with Malaysia and China the creation of uh, cell phones because the infrastructure wasn't so that people could communicate with computers and telephones, so we began using satellites that the U.S. had already in space, but then we began to write contracts, establishing phone companies all over the world. Now, in terms of Africa, the uh, languages and cultures and years of colonialization, uh, there's no comparison. China Chinese, whether they're expatriates, whether they're in Hong Kong, whether they're in Beijing, they are a united people. They have an ancient culture and a common language, and they use Mandarin, I believe, as kind of their business language. And uh, it has a large, solid economy similar to the U.S. But they've not reached the state. They're still a production economy. They're not yet a consumer economy. So in 50 years, that'll be China. It'll be interesting to see what they are. Now, as for China's development and the building of power plants, roads, and infrastructures in Africa, I think it's a great resource for African nations. However, some concerns that I've heard expressed by African persons from different nations is China's failure to use uh, engineers and uh, uh, architects and uh, uh, their educated workforce from China. But that's changing as uh, more and more Africans from the Cameroon, for example, study abroad and become fluent in Chinese. I think you're going to begin to see uh, uh, that workforce on the continent, seen on the ground. But uh, China has the fastest growing G, uh, GMP on the planet, and it didn't start in the 21st century. It's been on the move since the 1980s. By eight, 1985, I, I, I myself, an everyday person, had uh, predicted that China would have the uh, uh, largest economy in the world in the 21st century because of that GNP. Can you imagine every year you're growing very low inflation? But Africa, the, the future is bright. It's glowing. They suffered the, the atrocity of slavery. So many great minds were lost. So many communities were devastated by slavery. Then they faced colonialization, 
And as some people used to say, they left you on the continent, but they took your heart and mind. They took the diaspora, and we held Africa in our hearts and minds from the day we set foot on these foreign shores. So now the issue is pan-Africanism, is having faith in Africa, and knowing that there's no comparison to the second largest country, landmass country in the world with the largest population, to the many nations of Africa struggling with environmental disasters, poverty, inequity, uh, underdeveloped infrastructure, and, and uh, longstanding dictators. The future was bright when Kenyatta and Gruma and these folks came about, but the world has changed. Greedy capitalism isn't only something in the West. Capitalists are everywhere. We see, look at the billionaires in China, you know, and that's a, the, and, the, and the People's Republic want their people to uh, advance in business. Everyone does. But then we have dictators or would-be presidents or prime ministers that remain in office forever. And they, that clearly hinders the economy. And open free elections, um, solid infrastructure, um, people being able to have those basic developments, health care. Uh, right now, just getting the vaccine to Africa to save lives. When we address these day-to-day issues that Africa is facing, in June 2021, we should revisit this again, even in September of 2021, because I think Africa is changing by the month, by the day, and the future is bright. And there is no comparison from a, a common nation with an ancient history and a common language. Look at the difficulty the United States is having. We have a, uh, I, I was trying to get directions today. No one could give them to me, not because they weren't considerate, but they didn't speak my language and I didn't speak theirs. So when there are language barriers and these type of things, you are going to have struggle and difficulty. But always remember, united, the people can never be defeated. And unity is what the African Union is about. And Africa is on the move. Sister Eleanor, you know I love you. Well, let me just clarify some things. Uh, I think it's important that our listeners understand that, that, that uh, as you alluded to, uh, in terms of GDP, China is the largest economy in the world. Let's be very clear on that point. Uh, U.S. capitalists understand that point very well. Secondly, China does have an industrial base. In fact, the industrial base is what makes it possible for China to expand. Without an industrial base, country can expand. The reason why Africa is impoverished is because the West does a very good job in showing that Africa doesn't accumulate an industrial base. As far as billionaires, China allow billionaires, but the difference is that billionaires can't use their wealth to control the political uh, machinery. In China, the central government controls the politics. Uh, billionaires right. can only use their wealth to the extent that it can benefit the masses of people in China. And so therefore, there's a distinctive difference. In America, uh, being as a free to control the political uh, political machinery, they control it. Uh, people mm. are centrally planned. America is centrally planned. Billionaires run this run this thing. They tell it. They dictate what the politicians do or don't do. 
Uh, they dictate policy. They dictate all of that, and because the system makes it possible to empower billionaires in America to do to control in and everything. And this is why you have all the, the, the why you have the, the problems in terms of the disparity between the have and the have nots, the deficits in terms of the economy. Uh, people have, have lack of jobs. All of that is attributed to the fact that you got billionaires in America which actually run the show. So we make, have to make that distinction. And finally, understand that China also dealt with colonialism. So when you talk about a so Chinese person, they talk about British colonialism, it's very, very real. Mao wasn't fighting against uh, an imaginary enemy. He was fighting against the British, who was just as ruthless and cunning as the Americans were. So let's be very, very clear on that point. So I say that to say that it's important we understand that there are some similarities between the struggles in, 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 uh, in, in uh, China and the struggles in Africa. Your rebuttal, Sister Eleanor. Yeah. Sister Eleanor, your rebuttal. Um, yes. Um, Africa, uh, China did face colonialism, and Mao, one of the greatest leaders in world modern world history, took people from the oppression of colonialism, feudalism, and moved them forward through U.S and European greed, we invested in China while we devalued the U.S. workforce and closed factories across the United States. We used to produce steel. Now we call the places that produce steel the rust belt. We used to produce textiles, and we were worried about union and non-union textiles. Now they are virtually very few textiles produced in this country. There's still a textile industry, but we need to rebuild industry here. And China is a uh, a solid, centrally based economy. Based, it's a production economy. Uh, I do know that's going to change. The U.S. is a consumer economy. And as I said, in 50 years, uh, I'm sure China may become a consumer economy and there would be a struggle. But the key point is that politicians do not, uh, are not controlled by billionaires in China. But the U.S. has one thing going for it. Oddly enough, because billionaires usually control politicians with dollars, they don't vote. So if you look at the voter rolls uh, in your community, you'll see the very rich don't vote and the very poor disenfranchised don't vote. So what we need to do is organize the voters, take the control of politicians away from the millionaires, put uh, restraints on campaign finance, and reinvigorate the voters. Right now, we've seen 27 states in the United States passing voter suppression laws, ignoring the reality of the Voters' Rights Act, seeking to suppress the vote of Africans in Detroit, in Atlanta, in Pennsylvania. Well, that tells us something, that we have the power the people have the power. So I would urge the people to take control, register to vote today, get a vaccine. You may save your loved one's life. You may save mine. But just let's save a life, and we can do it working together. And uh, I'm very proud of Africa. I, I can't – I wouldn't 
possibly compare Africa to, to China, such a large nation with such an ancient culture. And Africa has many cultures, many languages, but something great has happened recently in Africa. I believe the African Union has decided to adopt Swahili, key Swahili as kind of a, a continental language. And uh, as you know, we tried to make it uh, the language of the diaspora here, but now African nations, including South Africa, I think are going to include it in this curriculum to teach key Swahili. Uh, so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, so African and the African Union, Africans and the African Union are thinking of ways of uniting Africa, ways for us to communicate and speak to each other. And now it's so essential with this incredible destruction of Mother Earth and the climatic changes that it's having. So, again, the future is bright. And uh, I see nothing but goodness coming from Mother Africa. Could I add something, Haki? I'm about to come to you now, Brother Anthony. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brother Anthony. Okay, sure. I want to I want to add that uh that in terms of looking at African history I think it would it, it would be, it would be an error not to look at the impact that the that the Maafa had on Africa's development and uh and by Maafa I'm talking about that uprooting of millions of Africans to provide cheap labor to the uh, uh, to the farms and plantations of the Western Hemisphere, that had a devastating impact on Africa's development. As Kwame Ture correctly points out, Africa was moving toward unification prior to. Uh, the invasion by the uh, by the Europe, uh, European feudal forces, and what and what and one of the impacts of uh, of that uh, of that of occurrence was the youth of Africa were taken from Africa. Uh, mil, mil, uh, millions of youth from thousands of communities in Africa were uprooted. That had a devastating impact on Africa's development. Amen. I mean, could you, if you could picture, uh, you know, a community in which your youth, who are the future of any society, are uprooted and then taken to a strange place, and not given any, uh, and all they had with, all they took with them was their was their understanding of their culture at that time. That's what our ancestors in the diaspora had had to deal with, being uprooted from Africa, and not having nothing, except whatever level of understanding they had of their cultural values. And that had a devastating impact on Africa because, uh, you know, as just pointed out, the youth are, a few, are the future of any society. So if you start taking away 
you know, uh, the youth and leave only the babies and the elderly. That has a devastating impact on society, and that can't be underestimated. And uh, But uh, Africa was moving toward unification. As a matter of fact, if you look at the history of Africa prior to the Ma'afa, there were several empires that existed uh, uh, in different parts of Africa. So there was a move toward unification that was in process, but got interrupted for centuries by the forces of uh, imperialism and capitalism. Point, Brother Anthony. Also, they took the, the best and the brightest also, so they knew precisely what they were doing. Uh, now, my next question, I go to, I go I to you, Brother mistake? Maurice. Oh, hold on, hold on, sister. Hold on, sister. Let me go to Brother Maurice first, and I'll come back to you, sister. Uh, we got about 20 minutes left. Now, China holds $1.5 trillion in stocks in the U.S., $17.4 trillion in government bonds, $13 billion in real estate holdings in the U.S. Now, when the U.S. taunts say that China is the enemy, are they being sincere, brother, brother, brother Maurice, or are they simply concealing uh, the ties that make make the U.S. capitalists very rich? In other words, are the mass of American people being deceived? Are they being tricked? Your response, brother, brother, um, brother uh, Maurice. One hundred percent being tricked. One hundred percent being uh, duped, uh, deceived. Um, they definitely. Uh, I mean, that's 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 American game, you know. That's to make make you know make the make 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 Cuba, make China, make Venezuela, make uh, you know uh, a, a progressive country, make them deviant, make them uh, you know what I'm saying make them look like they are not uh, justifiable. They're not doing the, the the goodwill of the people. That's American game. So. That's a hundred percent yes, you know. And I just want to add. I just want to add more to uh, want to not to backtrack, but to Anthony. To Brother Anthony made a great point that Africa was on its way to unifying before the Mahafa happened, uh, before uh, the kidnapping of, of of Africans was was taken from Africa. You know, Zulu, the Zulu um, nation in Africa is a great uh, a great example. I just wanted to make add that little little uh point to that as well because you know Chaka Zulu and and he organized all all, all 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 you know all of these traps it was it was on I, I just want and that was that was uh after if I, my time period oh no that was before so yes yeah, so we, we was on a I just want to add that point man not to sound dubious but to your to your question brother Haki um yes America definitely definitely Trying to uh, under, trying to make trying to deceive the the people that China is irrelevant and, and China is not is not uh, is not just. I say that, sister, sister Eleanor. Like yeah, I just like, like, to... let me let me just ask this question. Then you can just add on to what you want to say. Uh, by keeping a secret. Uh, in terms of the ties between the capitalists and the Chinese, China, and the Chinese, Chinese society, they're making tons and tons of money. But unfortunately, the masses of people don't realize that. Is that by design? Clearly, it's by design. And it's unfortunate 
that the U.S. is up for sale and has been bought and paid for by any foreign nation. That's an atrocity. And the American people are uninformed and uneducated. These are by design. I don't even believe there are many persons in Congress who realize this. That's why programs like Africa on the Move and analysts like Maurice, Brother Robert, Joachim, and Anthony, and Sister Shirley, and so many other great people and your guests are so essential. Education is liberation. I think that was W.D. Du Bois. And remember, before the slave trade, during the 16th century, and who knows how long before, the uh, educated men who wished to be educated in Spain and Portugal, the great empires of that time, had to come to Mother Africa to study. And at that time, men learned very important things like astronomy, sailing, and these things. And so uh, there were working universities and libraries and cultures, and there was cultural exchange and travel routes using the most advanced technology at that time, camels, horses, and elephants to transport goods and services. Remember, the Africans left Europe in 1492 after a 500-year occupation the Moors. And so, uh, as everyone has said this evening, Africa suffered tremendously with the exploitation and the atrocity of slavery. Slavery took so much from Africa. But in addition, we get to the 20th century and Europe is destroyed because of this fascist murdering persons like Hitler, and we had to redevelop Europe at the underdevelopment of Africa with the Marshall Plan. So we've seen atrocities inflicted upon Africa over and over again. But we have to remember that in the 16th, 15th century, 14th century, Africa was a shining jewel of intellect, medicine, science, you know, geometry, astronomy, all the things that were great at that time. And if someone wants to study African studies, they got to go to Spain and use those Arabic libraries they have over there. But what's really sad is that when they brought people to these Americas, to this United States, we were denied access to the drunk. They wouldn't let us communicate with the drum anymore. We were denied the right to pray. But they did use our medicine practices. I uh, read an article, perhaps, that I gained from you all where there was a slave who knew that you could prevent the spread of viruses with a form of inoculation where you cut yourself and put a small portion of that virus in themselves. And his master did it to himself and his family because he did not want to perish. So they were spared, I I think it was smallpox or some horrible disease that was rampant in this country at that time. And so much was lost when they took the young people from Africa. They weren't taking senior citizens. 
They were taking childbearing women, girls, and our youth. That's who they brought to the Americas. And they went everywhere in the Americas. Now, the Catholic Church helped in disguising the diaspora because the Catholic Church believes that men and women uh, mate, that they're married, and they have to be married. So you see an amalgamation of people because of the structure of families. And also because Spain and its colonies denied anyone born in the Americas the right to become a governor. So the governor was sent here from Spain as a very young man, and his wife gave birth to 10 children. Not one of those children could ever become governor. Another governor from Spain had to come, or Portugal. So subsequently, when it came time for revolution, the uh, Hispanic Americans were ripe for revolution because they had both the bourgeoisie and the peasant class working together. Look at Pancho Villa. Look at the great liberators of Central and South America in the 19th century. So we've seen a lot, and we, again, you know, have suffered great atrocities, atrocity after atrocity, famine, environmental atrocities. And I didn't use the proper term, apparently, but the atrocity of the slave trade. But don't forget our histories. When these folks came, when the Spaniards came and the Portuguese came to Africa, they first came for education at the great universities of Africa. And with the uh, slave trade, so much was lost. And it just shows you how much can be lost in not a generation, but in just 10 years. And remember, a generation is considered 20 years. You can change the outlook of a nation in just a very short time. I've witnessed it in my own lifetime. So this should let us know, seize this moment, change the hearts and minds of our young folks, and give them the room to lead and us have the wisdom to help them by sharing our experiences with them as they lead us to a brighter future. And all praise to Africa, and I support the sovereignty of all nations. And Brother Anthony says something very important about the uh, uneven development of nations. And to answer your questions, yes, this deceit is intentional, and, and it has been effective. And shame on these poor souls that they made America for sale. Right now with the... Uh, Bill Clinton and these enterprise zones, you don't know if you're paying your rent to somebody in the Netherlands, Spain, Greece, anywhere there's a, a billionaire. He can own the place you live, and you're paying rent to him and got to go to work every day as a wage slave in the United States of America. Shame on America. You know, there was a okay, time but- I used to go to Mexico well, Often, and they wouldn't sell certain lands to foreigners. But we don't have any limitations here. We are selling property, lock, stock, and barrel to foreign governments and individuals that do not set foot on this continent. Okay, Brother Anthony, uh, you know, a poll stated that uh, most Republicans think China is a problem. 
But when you think about all the money these billionaires are making in terms of trade with China, it seems to me that Republicans are being duped. What do you think? I think I think they are, or I I think what they're doing is they're putting on a show uh, to fool the public, uh, because I think uh, a lot of their constituents would uh, you know would, uh, would 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 be angry at uh, at the way uh, at uh, at their dealings with uh, with uh, for, uh, you know uh, foreign governments. But uh, but is it's a charade in a sense, and uh, Africans and uh, 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 and the working poor in general have been victims of it for centuries. And uh, you know, and uh, Nkrumah pointed out that in a pinch, the bourgeoisie of the world will stick together. And I think that's something we have to bear in mind when we uh, analyze the events that happen around the world. That the only thing that matters to the uh, to the ruling class uh, of capitalists is the flow of capital, especially in into their hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We got exactly eight minutes left. So I'm gonna ask you guys to be brief in terms of your analysis, so we can get you, uh, so we make sure we get in your final statement. Uh, well, let's start with the fourth topic, and that topic is the U.S. warns Venezuela, Cuba to turn away to turn away Iranian ships believed to be carrying guns. Now I ask you, brother, brother Maurice, what gives the U.S. the right to dictate to any autonomous power what they can and can do? I understand the roots of pan of Pax Americana. I understand manifest destiny, but what gives America the right autonomous country what they can and can't do, who they can receive, who they can't receive? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, that's the point. They don't. Yeah, yes. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Yes, yes. They don't have a right to tell. Yes, they don't have a right to tell um, Iran not to uh, ship cargo to Cuba or to Venezuela or what have you. They don't have that right, but they 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 want they they want they want to uh, they want to shut down Iran. They want to shut down Venezuela. They want to shut down Cuba, and that's why they they feel like that's that's what gives that's what they, in their mind that's what gives them the right to dictate to uh, Iran not to ship uh, cargo or what have you to Cuba or, or, or to Venezuela. This is this, this is this is the same ongoing game going on with, with, with when you when you dealing with capitalist uh oppressors oppressors. Uh you know, um this is this is what they do. They think they they're trying to make uh they're trying to make the whole world Europe. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? They try to make the whole world Europe and America. Um, you know, this this is what this is this is what they what they trying to trying to do. We we talk about the scramble for Africa, it's a scramble for for global power. And they're trying to shut down uh, socialist countries because they they are for, for you know they are for the people. And if 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 if, if, if they in power, the people remain in power. And you know and, and they won't have they they cannot get control of of the resources fully uh, a full control of the resources in these countries. But but no, they don't have a they don't have a right to Iran 
Back to ship cargoes. Um, and that conclude. Okay, I'm okay. Unfortunately, panelists, we got to conclude. We're running out of time. I need to get your final statements and make them brief. Of course, we got about five minutes. So I'll press with you, brother Maurice. What is your final statement for the public? Yes, my final statement is, uh, brother Haki. I want to thank you so much, man. You did a wonderful, great job tonight for leading us on this on this show. I'd like to thank uh, Sister Eleanor and brother brother Moses and brother Anthony for being on the show and, and uh, being, uh, being a part of, the, of a powerful panel uh, with, with those, uh, 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 you know, with, with, with those juggernauts. But uh, thank you so much for having me here tonight, and, 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 uh, and I hope to listen to the audience. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you, brother. We'll see you next week. Uh, next, we go to Sister Eleanor. Your final statement, Sister Eleanor. I want to um, say yes, Brother Akeem, you did a great, great, show tonight. Thanks to all the panelists and the listeners. And to everyone, I want to say a great Juneteenth day. And uh, hopefully we'll get to some of the articles next week because uh, uh, liberation and abolition didn't just happen in the South. People reached Boston and found out they were victimized and caught by slaves catching fools. So we have to realize that united the people stand and we can never be defeated, register to vote, get out and get your vaccine, recycle, reuse, and repurpose, and respect each other. Love each other as you would love yourself. Good night. Okay. Have a blessed Thank you, week. Sister. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Anthony, your final statement. Yes, my final statement is that we must get organized and we must study our history and pay close attention to the events that are happening around us and we've got to get away from taking things at face value we've got to critically analyze everything that's around us and above all join an organization that is working for our people's liberation thank you thank you Thank you very much, Brother Anthony. And to the public, we thank you for your support. We thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on Africa on the Move. What's up? That's his real name, Loki. Loki is not his real name, surprisingly enough. It's an important line there. I'm all about peace and love. Yes. Okay. They're calling him a terrorist. Him a terrorist. Okay, one nation in the world has over a thousand military bases. Can you guess who? It's um, uh, let me give you a hint. Cutter. It is not Luxembourg. It's not just Muslims that that oppose your imperialism. Lumumba was democracy. Mossadegh. Allende. There you go. Okay, so so this is the rapper. All right, that's mm-hmm. his music. Bust a beat for me. Right? All right, sure. After you divorce yourself from the right wing propaganda campaign, it's all simple and plain. America could stand the game. Your president got an African name. Now who you gon' blame when they drop the 
bomb got it in planes using depleted uranium. Babies looking like two-headed aliens. Follow the money trail that leads to the criminal. Ain't nothing subliminal to it. That's how they do it. See the game they run. Give a fuck if he's cunning, articulate and handsome. Afghanistan held for ransom by the hand of this black man. Neo-colonial puppet. White power with a black face. He said, fuck it, I'll do it. A master of the skies. Expert at telling lies. Then they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Should have known he was trained in Chicago. Word the chairman Fred and Mark Clark. What they do in the dark will come out in the light. Like a WikiLeaks site. So I guess the crew was right. Who's ready to fight? Last stage of imperialism. I ain't kidding. In the immortal words of Marvin Gaye. This ain't living. and Malia are huge fans, but uh, boys don't get any ideas. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. You think I'm joking? 